guys, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Liberty Diner Dish. I'm Ken. I'm Michelle. And we're about to jump right into another episode of Queer as Folk. We are at season five. Can you believe that? Girl, no, <laughs> I cannot believe it. Don't say it so. I know. Say it ain't let's, so. Not, let's not even refer to it as a season. So yeah. that way we don't have to think about this being the fifth and final one. So no. let's not do that. <laughs> no, we just, I mean, we've been rocking and rolling. Yeah. And, I mean, this has truly been a journey, an adventure, for sure, from mm-hmm. season one all the way to now. Like, yeah. so, oh, I just can't. I mean, as much as I want to see what season five have in store, I don't want to see because I, I know, know what the outcome then is. Yeah. And and these are, I haven't watched all, I haven't watched all of season five. And so there's a lot of stuff that's going to be kind of new to me. Oh. But there are also some things that I'm not looking forward to seeing again. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I'm down to just see those things you're not looking forward like they're to They're good, but they're just so, like, emotionally heavy. Right. And so... Mm-hmm. Well, true. Well, where we left off on season four with Mel and Lindsay, I'm dying to see what's going to happen with that. Yeah. You know, like, moving on to season five. Like, I don't know. I just can't wait. Like, yeah. I can't wait. Because everybody seems like they're in a good place except for them. So... I agree. I want to see. <laughs> All right, so I guess there is, uh, you know, we can't put it off forever. Let's just go ahead and <laughs> let's just go ahead and jump into it, okay? <laughs> dive in. All right. Oh, I do want to say, if you're watching this on the streaming service, you're totally missing out because the DVD menu is really cool for season five. So you're kind of missing out. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, just to put that out there, you know. Yeah. So we start this episode with a really neat thing with these rage storyboards and a voiceover about rage and Zephyr struggling to escape the land of the clones. <laughs> <laughs> and then we are at Babylon and Michael and Brian are on the dance floor together. And Michael is getting all philosophical while Brian is taking a hit of whatever party favor he is <laughs> on tonight. And Michael says that it amazes him that outside a baby is born, a man dies, a couple gets married, which is basically everything that happened in season four. Uh, and he's like, all this stuff happens. But in here, uh, and then there's this really cool effect where everything freezes, save for Brian and Michael. And he says, in here, nothing changes. Everything is the same. The music is the same. The same hot guys. And Brian thinks it's a comfort to know that. Right. But to Michael, I think that's kind of starting to mean something yeah, different to him. That was his light bulb moment. Like, yeah. he's hashtag, quote unquote, woke. You know? <laughs> <laughs> now, now he's growing up. Babylon is fun. Would always be a great time. They will always have great memories. But now he things are changing for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's married. He has a son, you know. Yeah. And he has a daughter as well. Like, I mean, so things are different for him yeah, now. So he's I think clicking. he is just kind of like, hmm. This is, uh, yeah, well, he says in here, this is all a a lie, all an illusion. It's nothing but cheap theatrics. And as he waves the glitter away and it crashes to the ground and Brian says, nevertheless, let's keep dancing. And they get back to it because I think for Brian, it's like, Brian knows that stuff, but he doesn't care. Yeah, like, no, (laughs) like, like, I know Let me have this. Yeah, this is mine. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So I think we're going to, like, split this scene here to address kind of why they chose this as the opening dialogue for this season. According to Ron and Dan, the showrunners and writers for for this episode, part of what Michael says is pulled and translated from this 1832 movie called Grand Hotel. One of the characters says at the beginning of the movie, it says people coming, people going, nothing ever happens. And then like over the course of a mo- the movie, a whole bunch of junk happens, of course. And then at the end of the movie, the same character says again, people come, people go, nothing ever happens at the Grand Hotel. And there's this revolving door 
that, you know, the camera kind of comes back and we see this revolving door and then a bus pulls up with some new hotel guests. Now, there's a lot that you can pull from that. But and the reason I devoted a bit of time to mentioning that is because I wanted to plant it here. Like, go ahead and plant it here right now. (laughs) (laughs) And then we'll pretend that we'll come back to it later in the season because y'all know that I'll probably forget. But anyway, it has a really cool connection if I remember to make it later. So. Well, yeah, I don't know that movie either, but I mean, <laughs> I, I see where you're going with that mm-hmm. just for a little bit. You didn't say a lot, but you said enough. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I definitely can see where you're going with that for sure. Yeah. Okay. So back into the scene, Michael is having this realization, as you were saying, and it's something that, yes, Brian knows may be true, but he prefers to just keep dancing. And so for all the codependent and unhealthy parts of their friendship, there is something to be said for the longevity of, mm-hmm. of their friendship, I think. And there's a lot of history there between them and when they're not being very, like, toxic. <laughs> right. so, so sometimes it is nice to see the two of them back in Babylon together dancing. and To see why they're actually friends. Yeah. And to see that friendship actually in effect. But for them just to be out and about, just dancing, it was no... Um, and there's no, like, moony eyes from yeah. Michael. Mm-hmm. There's no Brian trying to pull him down into his... Right. Whatever he has going on. It was just friends hanging out, dancing, enjoying what they, they love to do. Mm-hmm. And it was actually good and refreshing yeah. <laughs> to see that. I agree with that. Well, Michael needs to get home because he told Ben... He'd be home by midnight. Girl, who goes to the club <laughs> and is home by midnight? I don't know. Like, like, people don't start getting there until, like, 11. You know <laughs> I'm not coming out to at least 11.45. Yeah. Like, I'm only going to, I'm going to spend my little $20, $30 for an hour type you shit. Remember, you remember, know? like, the first club we went, to, well, it probably wasn't your first club, but one of my first clubs, and we got there, like, 10.30, and they were, like, Five people Five there. Five people in the Four bar. of them were yes, us. Yes, for real. <laughs> Absolutely. I remember. And no, that was like my first club. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, I'm not a really big club scene person. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I remember. No one is going out early like that. No, okay. we learned later. Like, yes. Yeah, you probably want to give it a couple hours. Yeah, give it a couple. Let, let, let it start simmering, you know. Yeah. Let, let it marinate. Well, Michael still needs to get home, and Brian thinks that that's pathetic, but he does send his thanks to the professor for letting Michael come out and play with his poor, lonely friend. And Michael tells him he won't feel as lonely once he and his beloved are reunited. And instead of correcting or denying any of that, Brian reminds Michael not to say anything the next time he talks to him, talks to Justin. And Michael has the unmitigated gall to ask, when have I ever told any Girl, <laughs> if looks could kill. Brian, me, you, we all gave Michael that look like, <laughs> yeah. boy, are you, you tried it. Yeah, yeah. One look from Brian gets him, yeah, gets him together real quick. And he makes him swear to keep his lips sealed on the memory of Marilyn Monroe. And Michael does. He swears that he won't tell Justin that Brian is flying to L.A. to surprise him or that Brian loves him and misses him more than words can express. And Brian (laughs) doesn't say anything to all that. He pretends to be like, so like, oh, my gosh, you're getting on my nerves. Unless my ears are playing tricks on me. He actually just kind of says, and don't spoil my surprise. But with Brian, what he doesn't say is a lot of times more important than what he does say. Facts. Because the fact that he didn't say anything, didn't correct it, I was like, oh, he really does feel those things. And in (laughs) that moment, I said, Brian has changed so much. You did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, because he's not fooling us or Michael. And Michael knows how hard it's been for Brian having Justin away for the past few months. And kind of what you figure, it's been three months, supposedly, from season four to, to where we are right now. 
And Brian can agree with that, that it has been hard. Yeah. So hard. So, Michael has no idea. None. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Michael wants to know. He would love to have an idea, but he just yeah. can't. Well, to help address that hardness, Brian takes a trip to the back room after giving Michael a kiss and a hug goodbye. And Todd is there again, getting his life like always. Like, hey, always. Todd, how's it going? I love how they just be having conversations in the back room. Yeah. Like, I mean, in mid-stroke. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Hey, hey, babe, what yeah. you doing? I think, like, Throwing that ass back. Like, yeah. what? Yeah, and that's an opener they use in, like, almost all the seasons. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. what? Yeah. Okay. Well, we see Brian with a jobber, and he's not looking very interested. I mean, it's just, like, part of the night for him. So I'm not surprised that he answers his cell phone when it when he's back there, even when guys are yelling at him to turn it off. Though I, he would an- probably answer this call no matter what because it's Justin Yay! from sunny California. And side note, I bet Brian would usually have his phone off at Babylon. He was waiting for that call, girl. Yeah, because uh, since apparently Justin did end up taking Brett's offer, so he's out in L.A., the, phone and, the, the phone's the only connection they have to each true. other. True, and their time frame is off, too. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. the, if he's on the East Coast, he's on the West, it's a three-hour difference, yeah. you know? So you never know what time he needs to call. We don't know what time Brian is going to sleep these days because yeah. he's running his own business, you know, waking up hella early. So, I mean, I'm leaving the phone on. Whatever time you call, baby, I got you. Yeah, and so I think, yeah, that's because we've never seen him pull out his phone no, in Babylon. So ever. that's the only reason he had that phone And on. in the back room while, yeah. he, while the jobber's doing his exactly. job. Exactly. Nah, never. <laughs> yeah. Well, he hasn't seen him in a while, so that's the only way that they're staying connected right now is through, through the phone. And uh, Justin answers and I love their little conversation. And he tells Brian, that, oh, he's just lying there eating a bag of Doritos as he's at this, like, very naked party yes. at Brett's house. <laughs> little cabana boy. <laughs> yeah. And... I like that even though at this time their bodies are with and kind of surrounded by other people, there's a part of them, there's a part of Brian that's only connected to Justin, mm-hmm. a part of Justin that's only connected to Brian, in, even in this. True, because I felt like I forgot that he was even, you know, but forgot that he was even fooling around. Yeah. Because the, the conversation, is, you just yeah, felt that connection was, between them. he was so engaged in that conversation mm-hmm. that, yeah, you yeah, had they not gone down below the waist with the camera, you wouldn't even yeah, know. Yeah, I, I forgot for a minute. Yeah, because he was getting more pleasure from that phone call than right. he was from what was happening in there. And, yeah, so even though they're not together physically, they are still very much together here. So while Justin is having Doritos, Brian is reading Anna Karenina and eating Pringles. <laughs> and... <laughs> Justin always said it was their love of Russian literature and snacks, high in saturated fat, that brought them together. But they both know what the other one is up to. I mean, there's no secret about what right. either one of them is probably getting up to and what they're doing. So I think... It's cute. Yeah. I mean, yeah. They know what's up. <laughs> yeah. Like, we both have no yeah. problem with this. So. Yeah. I mean, like, it's, they're not cheating. There's no secrets need to be, be right. said. You know, and or, or none kept. of that is affecting the relationship that, that we have. Yeah, yeah. Not at all. I mean, like, so... And when he's saying he's eating Doritos, I mean, Brian already knows what he's doing. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, it's fun. It's joke. It's, it's really cute. It's yeah, just a little it banter. Is. They talk about Justin's work and how he's crazy busy, but Brett is singing his praises, even talking about a sequel. And Brian is proud of his superhero, <laughs> but things are going kind of slow. So Justin may be gone longer than he thought. Like, there's a whole shift in Brian's demeanor when Justin says that on the phone. And But you can see he tries to keep his voice even, even though his face kind of turned a little bit And when he asks how much longer. And it could be three or four more months. And he's already been gone for about three. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's a lot. I'm like, and what is the pay? Like, are you interning or are you getting paid? Like, 
I know you out there getting getting the movie together, but are they paying you? Yeah, I like, hope I mean, they are. I mean, three months away from your bay, you did a lot of fighting for Brian. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, season one all the way now, you've done a lot of fighting to get to this man. And now you, I can't even imagine being away seven months away from Brad. Like, I just, yeah. I couldn't because, like. Their love. Like, I mean, we see. Well, and they've not visited. It would be one thing if they have been visiting. I know, but Brian is so busy, and clearly Justin can't leave. He's so busy. It's like, how do you find the time? Right. Well, and then, you know, Brian had that injury, and that can take up to eight weeks to heal. True. You know, Mm -hmm. and then he was just now getting back Mm -hmm. to, you know, being able to put in a full day's work at Kinetic. And so I can see why maybe he's been, at this point, too busy, but probably... He was giving Justin time to get out there and find his footing and do his own yeah, thing. Yeah, just get acclimated. So I get why he hasn't gone yet, but it's already been three months and then going three to four more. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, like, he just told the boy to bring the stuff back to the loft like I wanted you there. Like, mm-hmm. y'all, y'all back in the honeymoon, you know? Like, no, three months. Yeah, I know. Well, Justin does check to make sure Brian's not upset about the change, and Brian says, well... I told you before you went, the only reason I'd be upset is if you didn't go. And But Justin knows Brian, and he knows that the time is probably starting to get to him. Not because Brian can't function on his own, but because Justin knows that Brian has a tendency to assume the worst. Always. And to go pushing people off those Kenny Cliffs <laughs> or putting those walls back up to keep himself from getting hurt or to prevent someone else from choosing him mm-hmm. over themselves. So. Justin knows all that. So he's trying to keep things light there on the phone, even as he has to deliver this news to Brian that is going to take longer. And I wouldn't be surprised if he intentionally called while he knew Brian would be out at Babylon, kind of maybe already a few drinks uh, in. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to catch when he yeah, tips. Yeah, thinking that might soften the blow yeah, a little exactly. bit. Yeah. He's going to be having fun. It's going to be tricks all around. Yeah. He won't be worried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He won't, he won't have time to really think about it right. while I'm telling him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, to pick things back up, he wants to know when Brian is coming out to visit. And Brian gives him a pretty cryptic response, like tells Justin, uh, Justin tells him to hurry and says, well, hurry up and get out here and I miss you. And it's important to Justin to say that. I think he wanted to make sure Brian heard him. Yeah, heard and him understood. say that I missed you. Yeah. yeah like, hey. Like, I'm not out here just running around right. a while. Like, I'm still thinking about you. I still miss you. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm having my fun. Right. This, and but I'm this working, is work. But, but yes. I still, yeah, you're still home for mm-hmm. me. And, you know, even though he's, like you said, he's working hard and playing hard, but he does want Brian to know that he misses him. And it's not easy for him either. Right. And uh, we know that Brian is capable of saying that he misses Justin because he did it in season four, but that's not what he does here. He throws that wall back up saying he can like barely force the words out when he says, well, you take care of yourself. Do the best you do the best work you can, have the best time you can. That's all that matters. And it's just like, this feels backwards. Yeah. This it doesn't, feels like two steps back. Yeah, it doesn't feel like the strides we made. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, and, but, and you can kind of see on his face that he doesn't believe that anymore. He doesn't even believe that that's all that matters. It's just the working and the playing. Oh, I know. When he said it, he was forcing himself to say those words. Like, those are the things that you need to say mm-hmm. and that you want to say. I mean, you need to say, but you don't want to say them, right. you know? Like, he know he needs to be encouraging and pushing Justin to, to live his dream. Like, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he doesn't want to say that. Like, yeah. he, he doesn't. Like, he misses his boy. Yeah, period. but he's, yeah, so he's kind of in this weird spot, I feel like, where even though we saw so much progress with him in that, this kind of feels like it's, I don't know, he's in a weird spot. But also, in, old insecurities do die hard. And they're like that crazy evil person in the movies. You know, they're never really dead. Never. (laughs) Gotta shoot them in the head. And then they still come back. Yeah. (laughs) They're never dead. Oh, Brian hangs up the phone before his true feelings show. 
and Justin hangs up also, knowing that call didn't go as well as he'd hoped, but that's Brian, and you kind of have to let Brian deal with his stuff in his own way and on his own time. And words are still only words to Brian, and so and Justin can't go there right, right. It's now. It's actions. Yeah. You need actions. And so he can't really do any actions right now, so it's like, okay, well, I gotta, I'll try again later, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe that kind of thing. And in the meantime, there's a guy at this party who has been giving Justin the eye. Girl, all the guys at the party have been giving Justin the eye. They, <laughs> yeah. In California, okay, well, I thought Pittsburgh was crazy, okay, but California, we got asses out. Yeah. We got all the, the things swanging. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, oh my, not swinging, but swanging, okay? I was like, oh my God. Yeah. And boy, were they getting BBLs back then? These, all these boys had some fat ass. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I was like, I like, I like California better than Pittsburgh. Like, <laughs> yeah. Brian, come on out there and run through these boys. They need you. <laughs> yeah. Come on out there. I know there. that's a whole new playground yeah. for him out there. Brian, come on out there. They yeah. need you. Okay. Um. Well, Brian and Justin both get back to their chips and Russian literature. <laughs> so then we see a little baby, and she is so cute. Adorable. JR. Uh, ben is trying to convince me that she looks like Michael, and I'm like, Ben, what kind of games are you playing? I see no Michael in Lil' JR, Lil' Jenny, Rebecca, no None. Michael. To my dimples, no, no, doesn't look nothing like him at all. No, but because the- she would have a sour face if that was it. <laughs> A little pouty face. Yeah, yeah, always. He always got it turned up, you know, or turned down, whatever, yeah. whatever you want to say. Yeah. But this is a cute moment. It's Ben, Michael, Melanie, Lindsay, and Gus. And they're all staring down at, at this little sleep-eating poop machine, Melanie calls her. <laughs> and Michael is going to call her Honey Bun, which is what Debbie used to call him. And so they're all cooing all over the baby. And then Ben and Michael are leaving. And they tell Melanie and Lindsay that Debbie wants to come by and see the baby. And to the train die, things go a little bit awkward between Melanie and Lindsay right there. And they tell Michael to have Debbie call first. And you know nobody in this family calls first. No so one. So that should have been a red flag. They, yeah, well, I'm... <laughs> Before they leave, Michael makes sure that they don't need anything. And Ben tells him that they are a fine-tuned machine. He can't wait to be an old married couple like them. And he asks how many years it's been for Melanie and uh, for, for them. And Melanie quickly says 200, but Lindsay says 10 this week, actually. It's been 10 years. My thing is, these friends are terrible. I mean, y'all don't, when I look at Melanie and Lindsay, they do not look happy. No. I see no light Even in the eyes. Even sitting there together, yeah. they don't look. They didn't look happy. Like, what are you, why are you, why everybody keep giving them these compliments? Like, oh my God, you guys are so well tuned and da 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 da. Where? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Where, whose eyes are you looking at? Right. Because. I'm looking in their eyes. Because they barely look at each other. Yeah, like, no. Like, where are y'all seeing this at? Maybe I'm missing it. Maybe yeah. I'm missing it. I, <laughs> I don't see it. Yeah. Well, they are taking a pass on the celebration this year. Now, mind you, they usually celebrate two anniversaries a year. In season three, we found out that they celebrate their wedding. And, and the day that they, they got official, I guess. Yeah, something mm-hmm. like that. But usually two. And they're not going to celebrate their 10-year anniversary. Now, sure, you could say they just had a baby and they haven't had time to plan anything. So maybe that's not a red flag, but it's at least pink. Yeah, it's pink. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Somehow that white towel, that white flag got put in there with the colors. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it came out a little pink. It's something. Yeah. Because there's no way you're not going to celebrate a decade, right. you know, of togetherness, of love, of happiness. There's no way. Like, Especially I don't care how tired when- you are. If you've you've built the family that you wanted, you've got your your you, wife here, you got your children, you got like, your house, you yeah, got, you got you have both everything. of y'all have careers now. There so. is you can't. There's not enough tide in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, you at least have some type of 
beautiful dinner. Like Michael would have had the baby, you know, um, yeah. and somebody else would have had good. Somebody, you would have yeah. did something quiet, something small, a bubble bath or something. But y'all know you too tired? Yeah. Girl, please. <laughs> please. <laughs> Uh, ben and Michael finally leave, and when the door closes, you see Melanie and Lindsay deflate after putting on a show for them. And they're both pretty good at pretending. I mean, to I'm Michael like, and Hell yeah, I'm like, hell, the Academy Award goes, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you literally just see them, like, stop. <sighs> yeah, you can see, like, finally, they can take off those costumes. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Um, but they both agree that they have to tell everyone eventually. So what's happening is Gus lives with Lindsay, and the new baby lives with Melanie. And that just doesn't feel right to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But if Melanie and Lindsay can't live together, then you have to arrange something where the kids are concerned. Girl, that house is huge. They actually could live together. Like, yeah. they could live there. <laughs> Look, you don't got to be in the same room with me. Matter of fact, I'm going to work. I'm, I'm, you do you. I'm going to do yeah. me. You know? Well, because right now, I'm guessing Melanie has been on leave. probably leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, parental leave. And Lindsay is working. Gus ought to be old enough to go some kind of daycare during the day. Well, we know he's in well, school. Yeah, they fought yeah, for him to get in into school. Little, yeah, so. he's in a little preschool thing. And he's so. big now. So he he's like in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. He's going a full day. <laughs> okay? Like, that boy is tall. You pay a little extra, you can go a full day. That part. Um, but, yes, it's like, they could have made, I don't know, but Melanie is. She going to find any any opportunity to. Boy, she the shade queen. Yeah. Okay, yeah, she, she going to pop off. <laughs> I don't think Lindsay can handle that mouth no more. I don't she, think so. She's going to pop off. Yeah. They have been doing this for three months, this pretending. With Michael and Ben coming over every other day or whatever, Debbie coming over, they've been doing this for three months. Okay, you know what? I'll take it back. Yeah, these motherfuckers tired, okay? Yeah. Like, that's draining, <laughs> it okay? It is draining. Yeah, well, I, and also just having to, like, well, we'll talk about that. You have the baby bit. and you putting on a show. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's a lot. Yeah. And then, I mean, and then you're lying. Like, to keep the lies together right. is, is and just And always have to be on guard and make sure you're not saying too much yeah. where they ask you a follow-up question. It's, yeah. it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, I'm right. You're right. Girl, I'm tired. <laughs> you know what I'm I am. <laughs> yeah. I was kind of thinking about reasons why they haven't told and why, they, why they've kept this a secret. And I think we get to some of it later, but... What I was initially thinking was, is because you know, they're supposed to be the couple that everyone looks up to. And they are supposed to be the mature ones who have all their stuff figured out and they're building this great family together. And so I think they're all buying into that expectation, like even if they're the ones who created it. Right, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, Nobody put that on you. You put that on yourself. Mm-hmm. And also they probably feel like a failure and that's hard to admit. That's very, very hard. I think a lot of people stay together for that reason alone, mm-hmm. you know, like. No one wants to feel like you failed in anything, right. especially a relationship. Maybe, you know, I'll just give it one more go. I'll try. You know, you, you, I think you stay way past your expiration date mm-hmm. just because of fear of failure. And I think definitely that's what they're going through. Yeah. Both of them. Because there was love in that house. You know, it really was. It was love in that house. So for them to break up after being together for 10 years and everyone yeah. looking up to them or them having this thought of everyone looking up to them. I mean, you kind of feel like you're failing. You know? Yeah. You do. Let me see Debbie and Carl pull up to Debbie's house and look at Carl. He has his new whip and uh, that's a cart, by the way. And he is <laughs> he's dressing all different, like not wearing those polyester pants. No. He's got that leather jacket and some jeans. Like, look at you, Carl. Okay, yeah. I think him being around the gauge, you know, we didn't spiced him up oh, a little yeah. bit. You know, gave him a little swag. <laughs> had to put something on him. Emmett had to get him together. Yes, Emmett got him together real quick. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they have been shacking, and it seems like uh, they've been shacking at Carl's house. 
But uh, Debbie keeps returning to her place to grab things she needs, like her baking pans, her owls, her glass clouds. <laughs> Lord have <laughs> this mercy. This is like Michael and Dr. David all over again. <laughs> For real. Lord. Oh, my God. Mm-mm. Yeah. So when it was decided that they would live together, where did you think they were going to live? I really thought they were living Debbie's. I, I did, mean, too. I would have never thought she was moving out to live with Carl's. Yeah. I would. I, yeah. yeah, I assumed it was going to be at Debbie's, too. Yeah, and her house was, like, lived in. I can't imagine a bachelor pad. I know. An old cop's bachelor pad. I just cannot. Like, uh-uh. Yeah, and I don't know if it's the same house that he would have had with his wife right. who passed away. Mm-hmm. Or, or if Catherine was even living over there, too. I mean, <laughs> yeah. did you get new sheets, Carl? For real. Yeah. Well, and also, Debbie lives near the neighborhood she works in and yeah. so I thought because she walks to work and so unless Carl's gonna be taking her maybe she pushing the whip and dropping him off at maybe, work maybe so <laughs> yeah let me go ahead and whip this baby get the cruise of the night I'm gonna whip the, I'm gonna whip the car okay yeah but on the other hand the change could be good for her and Emmett was there to keep things running at, right. at her house right they had several talks about it before deciding on Carl's place and at the time it had a lot of Debbie's house had a lot of sad memories related to her losing Vic, of course. But now the happy memories are coming back. And mm-hmm. this house is a part of her. And she's lived there, a lot of her life there. And even though she has been, she's loved being at Carl's place, she wants to come home now. And I can understand that. And Carl is so sweet. Girl, he's he, everything. Yeah, he says, I told you from the start, it's whatever you want. Wherever you are is home to me. I was just telling somebody the other day, they don't make me in like that no more. <laughs> Like the daddies, like, like, where are they today? You know what I'm saying? I want to hear a young man tell a woman that, like, baby, like I told you from the start, it's wherever you are. Like, I'll do whatever. Like, that's some sweet shit. That, to be honest, that's something I would say. Yeah. I mean, I would be, you know, so I would be upset months later, but you I would, would say it. Like, I didn't even want to move yeah, my yeah, yeah. But I would say it, you know, and I would mean it in that moment. But you just don't, you don't hear things like that. Carl really is. I told you from the start, I love that man. Like, yeah. okay, not from the start, because he did rub me bad in the right. beginning. Right, he has some but, stuff to work around. Yeah, but once he started coming, you know, coming together, I was like, okay, I really like this dynamic between him and Debbie. Yeah. And he treats her great. He wants to love her. Like, he really did chase her. She turned him down, gave mm-hmm. him the up, bag back, give me 50 feet. Nope, we can go bowling. Nope, I'm not doing it. Nope. Mm-mm. Yeah. What do you want from me? And he worked. He worked on her. I mean, and they made this friendship turn into something, you know, romantic. And I'm here for it. Yeah. When we were watching this scene, you said you thought that they were going to like have a fight, have oh, an I argument did. over this. But I like it because I like seeing Debbie like this. We see that she is growing, too. Yeah. Like we focus a lot on the the growth of the gang and the girls even. But Debbie is growing, too, because there was a time when she would have put her foot down. Mm-hmm. Either we're staying here or we're breaking up. Yeah. No, I can hear her saying that. <laughs> yeah. Chewing that and, gum. <laughs> yeah. But here there's a there's a sweetness to her. And we don't usually get to see this. And this is because it's a different kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. This is a romantic relationship, yep. a romantic intimacy. But there's a, a sweetness to her here. The whole time she was speaking, she had a smile. Like yeah, she, she smile and she's talked. talking calm yes. to him, and she's like not, you know, telling him what he's gonna do and how it's gonna be. Right. She's very much trying to appeal to mm-hmm. him, and I really, I really like seeing that. And I think it's because she she's realized she doesn't have to be so tough around him. Mm-hmm. I think she's a person who's used to having to defend her reputation and her name and things and like that. And defend the whole game. Yeah. Well, because mm-hmm. she, yeah, she was a teenage mom, yeah. unwed. And then, yeah, she's around all the, you know, her son is gay. And then she is such an, an advocate and ally to this gay community of people that she has to defend all the time. And with Carl, it's like, you don't have, there's nothing for you to defend here. Right. Yeah, <laughs> so, baby. Just, just love me yeah, and I'm going to love you. So she's not guarding her heart so much with him. And 
she takes the time to explain and to ask for what she wants. And she will usually, like we said, she would usually just say this is what it is. But I like seeing this growth in her. So they walk in and grab Debbie's pants and Emmett is on the couch getting his life. Oh, girl, I'm clutching my pearls. He was getting his life. Okay. Yeah. With uh, some trick there right in the living room. Boy, Debbie was like, where's the popcorn? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Poor Carl. You, oh, yeah. girl, I feel bad for you him. You know, he was thinking maybe I agreed to move in here a little bit too quickly. Yeah, that part. I mean, head face. Like, I thought he was going to fall out with a heart attack. Yeah. And Debbie just looks at him sweetly and says, welcome home. Like, Good old Deborah. Get, get used to it. Yeah, baby, because this is what's going to happen. Yeah. So then we see Ben and Michael, and they are headed up to their apartment with a giant stuffed giraffe. And that's how you spot a first-time parent. They are the one leaving the <laughs> store with an eight-foot-tall stuffed animal that is so unnecessary. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As they're making their way to their door, there are two guys making out in the hallway. And apparently there's a party happening across the hall from, from them, and it's been going on since last night. And nosy Michael leans in to get a peek, and he could swear he saw Hunter. Who's and, coming right yeah, out Yeah, that's door. because he did. Why and, wouldn't you think Hunter wouldn't be over there? Y'all not home. Yeah. I mean, the music is popping. <laughs> like, why what wouldn't he What is he going to do, sit yeah. there bored in the apartment? Like, like come on no. Yeah, the neighbors wanted to know if they had the new Christina Aguilera CD, and he loaned it to them. Uh, so he was just being neighborly and trying to cop a little weed. That part. Okay. He heard the music and he was like, come, come, coming in. Let me out. <laughs> <laughs> Had to do it. Uh, but he is supposed to be studying for his midterms. And his two dads remind him of that before heading to the kitchen to put away their groceries. I love them. Like, they was like, hit the books, boy. Like, <laughs> they were not playing. Like, uh-uh. Like, well, we're not we're not taking yeah. steps back, honey. But then Hunter just went over there and did it. Because he was gun- going yeah. to do it anyway. So. I love the honesty, too. Like, he didn't have to tell him that he was looking for some weed. Mm-hmm. But he told him. Yeah. You know, like, the honesty yeah. is everything. And I think they had to come to terms with, hey, you don't have a... Yes, Hunter is normal, but, yeah, he but he's not have, normal. He didn't have a normal upbringing, yeah. and so he's not going to behave like a child with a normal upbringing. Uh-uh. And so, but he also knows how to conduct himself. Hunter can go across to that party and only do what Hunter wants to do and when come he's back over there when he's and ready. Not giving yeah. any peer pressure or anything. And so he's like, because I've seen it all, I know what I do and don't want to participate mm-hmm. in. So, and really, that's the kid you want to go over there, not the sheltered. Yeah, <laughs> no, the one who's gonna get turned out. Yeah. <laughs> Michael wants to know if Ben noticed anything with the girls, if they seemed a little cranky to him. And Ben writes it off as exhaustion from dealing with a newborn. And Michael thinks it's probably why they aren't celebrating their 10th anniversary. Well, not to worry. He will take care of it for them. There we go. Michael, we even told you stay. about getting involved in other people's relationships. That part, stay even when in you're your yes. Land. Even when you're trying to do a good thing, you don't know what's going on in someone else's house. Like we told you, Novotny Bruckner business only. That part. Okay. And also, like, they said they were tired. What makes you think that you should be putting something together or, yeah. or doing something? Like, what? stay out their business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, what is wrong with you? Like, <laughs> no. That's an, if I say no, I, I'm, I or fucking call mean. Call me and ask yeah. me, like, hey, would you want me to keep the baby for a night right. while you go do it? Like, do it like that. <laughs> but, I mean, Lord, just stay in your lane, baby. Yeah, just leave it alone. Nobody else's relationship. Leave yeah. it alone. Period. Yeah. Well, at least it ain't Brian and Justin's this time. Damn, because yeah. that's where he normally lives, girl. <laughs> no. And please, for the love of God, stay out of that one. So Brian is in his office at Kinetic holding his plane ticket in his hand. And Ted comes in and immediately goes for the pastries that are out on the conference table. And I'm like, same, Theodore. Same. <laughs> <laughs> 
Ted looks to have put on a little quarantine weight when he's sitting there at that side angle. Yeah, I was like, Ted's getting heavy. <laughs> yeah. He asks Ryan if he's counting down the hours until he'll be zooming off to L.A. for a little sunshine. More like a lot of his sunshine. And I like that they all know that Brian calls Justin sunshine and they kind of use that against him. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ted didn't just come to eat bear claws and poke at Brian. He came to tell him how much money Kinetic made last quarter. And even Brian is impressed. And Ted wants to know what Brian plans to do with the profits, though he does caution him against expanding too quickly. And Brian says, he says, I might say the same thing to you. And Ted suggests that he invest the money in himself, like treat yourself. And maybe something extravagant or shiny like a new red Ferrari or a painting for the loft or perhaps something for Justin. Like, oh, that sounds good. Yeah, like his own personal Learjet so he can wing back and forth from the coast to visit Brian. And he's shooting some friendly fire at Brian with that. But I'm sure Ted knows that Brian is missing Justin in his oh, own yeah. way because he's around Brian all the time now. And I'm sure that he can see a difference in how Brian is when Justin was in town yeah. versus how he is when he's not. Well, you know that the dynamic has changed since mm -hmm. Justin has been away. I mean, normally we don't even see Brian without Justin. I bet he's a little off. And then since he's not getting his daily needs met, because I doubt that he's in the back room every night and having tricks every night. So, um, I mean, maybe he's a little, you know, on edge, too. He could be a little snappy. Yeah. You don't know, you know? <laughs> he could be a little snappy, yeah. Well, Brian is not amused by Ted's little joke, and Ted leaves him to figure something out on his own, something for him to, to go by, and he grabs a road pastry, and again, same, Theodore. It seems like Brian's a little off when, when like, the whole time in the office, like, he's engaging with Ted, but it just seems like there's something else. On his mind. On his mind, yeah. yeah. It seems a little, little bit off to me, yeah. Ted touched a nerve because Brian has his plane ticket in hand, and I think he's evaluating that. He's evaluating that decision. Before Ted came in, he was contemplating that very thing, traveling back and forth so he and Justin can see each other. And I think he's wondering if, if that's what life would become, and if so, how does he feel about it? But more than that, like how does Justin feel about that? And so I feel like that's why he's a little bit kind of in his head right now. Uh, we see Ben and Michael have uh, made some new friends, Eli and Monty. Eli is a fellow professor at Ben's school. We've seen Melanie and Lindsay with other friends outside of the core group, but that's kind of been it. So it's nice to see that they've them expanding the friend circles. Kind of, I don't know if I would have chose Eli and Monty, but <laughs> no, that don't, that's not my cup of tea. <laughs> I mean, it's, they look they got boring all over them. <laughs> Like, yeah. I don't even like the way they talk. Like, yeah. I was like, uh-uh. Like, just the cadence of the voice, I was like, hell no. Nah. It was just something about them. I don't know. They have kids, and that's, kids don't make you boring, but it's just something about Eli and Monty. Yeah, I don't know. Like, mm -mm. Uh, but they have two kids with the same mom, but uh, they are each a biological father. And Michael tells them about his little baby, Jenny Rebecca, but they're calling her JR. And let's thank Liza for that. Um, and he says their situation is different from Monty and Eli's because they're not the primary parents, of course, because Melanie and Lindsay are. Monty says if they ever decide to raise one of their own, their neighborhood is perfect, the perfect place to do it. They have a huge backyard, a jamboree nearby and a baby gap, <laughs> so, you know, all the top the top selling points. And Michael remembers that he wasn't even allowed to come to this neighborhood when he was a kid because it was too dangerous. but. Let Monty tell it ever since the gays moved in and started fixing things up. 
the real estate prices have soared. Come on, uh, Monty, let them know, because y'all know how we do. We move into the neighborhood. We get to renovating, getting the yard together. Mm-hmm. I mean, the everything. And then, yeah. for real, that's what happened here. Uh-huh. Like, they took a whole area, and now it's booming. Yeah, I mean, it's true. booming. But it took the gays to move in. It was all ratchet, yeah. like scary, sketchy. Mm-hmm. You don't ever want to be caught over there. Yeah. And then we moved in there. And that's a whole, like, I mean, girl, I mean, ooh, we're going to go on over there and have some drinks one day, yeah. for real. It's, it's dope. Eli asks if they've ever, if they ever think about moving, and I think they hadn't, or I thought they hadn't. But on their way home, they walk down Liberty Avenue, and because that's how they have to get home, and Ben points out that it's like an entirely different world between here and where Monty and Eli live. And they pass Woody's, and Michael checks to see if Ben wants to stop for a drink. But Ben says he has a lecture to prepare for. And Ben asks Michael how he liked their house. And Michael is impressed with how much work they did with their improvements and how much that neighborhood has changed. Well, Ben wishes that Liberty Avenue would change. And as they maneuver around some business there on the sidewalk. And uh, then Ben is kind of looking all disgusted. I'm like, like, he's so passive aggressive. Yeah. (laughs) Like all of a sudden he's looking all disgusted and getting all complaining about it. Because two seasons ago, wasn't that you always shirt off on the dance floor over here in Liberty Avenue? But it was just like, you walk, You had to walk from here to Eli and Monty's house, and things were fine. Yes, but now on, on the, the way, way back, back mm. yeah, this this place is so beneath you. I mean, the girl, the way he stepped, he's walk, walked on something, the way he looked on yeah, the ground. Yeah, it was a and, used condom on the yeah, ground or like, something. Baby, you Which seen is that. gross. Use a yeah, trash can, but, but still. still. He, seen, he stepped on a million of those just in Babylon on one yeah. night. Like, I mean, come on. Stop playing with me. Yeah. But Michael is like, I don't think it's that bad. This is what he knows. And Ben's like, yeah, not if you're 24 or Brian. I'm like, okay, Ben. Yeah, I was like, not too much. Yeah, because he is coming for Brian with the shade. And Brian hasn't done anything to anyone in a while. Yeah, and Brian hasn't even seen your ass yet. So not too much. <laughs> yeah. Okay, at like, all. I'm really going to need Ben to get off the gas when And I'm going to really Brian. need Michael to step up and say, you know, you keep the Brian name off your lips. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, why, why did you go there? Like, you could have made your point without going that there. That part. You don't have to do that. Yeah. And it sounds like you hating to me because Brian can get whatever he needs. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. You had to set up for a Michael Novotny. <laughs> but I'm just saying. I didn't say it, y'all. Can't oh, my it. God. Y'all, I love y'all. Y'all, don't do it. Don't throw me to the wolves now, Isha. I ain't gonna I do got that. you. <laughs> uh, well, Ben thinks that they are past all of that. And granted, Michael probably did move in there when he was in his early 20s. Because right. he lived there with Emmett for a little while, lived there by himself for mm-hmm. a little while. And now that JR is in the picture... As she gets older, they might want to have a room for her. So there are some, like, logistical things. Plus, Girl, they got time. Their baby ain't nothing but three days. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. They got time. Uh, and, you know, where they live now, sure, it might be a little suspect. Because in season one, remember those kids vandalized Brian's Jeep? Yep. And then in season three, the Hustlers were out front. Yeah. Which, nothing wrong with Hustlers. Do your job. But uh, all the noise and the hours that they were keeping, that could be a bit much in... Now the neighbors are having two-day rage parties. So I get some logistical things, but... Okay, now now after you you gave me down memory lane, I remember, I think I might be with Ben on the real, though. (laughs) I mean, I forgot about the hustlers being outside, and then he had to go down there and get them off the corner. Because of the whole Stockwell thing and how they, like, forced them over to mm -hmm. that area. Yeah, so... So Yeah, Yeah, it may be time to go. Yeah, or at least time for the conversation. Yeah, Yeah, for real. I get that. 
But I think for me, it was just kind of like the tone and the faint smell of sanctimoniousness. I mm-hmm. think that's what was, maybe I'm imagining things. No. But it was that, and then him sneak dissing Brian. That. <laughs> I like Dan. Yeah. Anyway, after making a very long cons list about their current place, Ben asks if Michael wants to move. He says they can afford it between the two of them. But for Michael, this is where he lives and where he has always lived. And he's not sure he wants to leave. And Ben's like, well, it was just a thought, which you're going to lie right to my face, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> like, I told you that passive aggressive yeah, shit. Yeah, it was not just a thought, Benjamin. Stop that. So we see Emmett looking at a roommate ad posted at the gym. Bottoms only need apply. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a it's a promising option for Emmett. Very. And Ted is there with him devouring a protein bar. And Emmett has told him about Debbie and Carl catching him in a compromising position. And they didn't ask Emmett to leave, but he thinks that that is for the best. It, would you leave if you were Emmett and Debbie and her man is moving back? I would in? at least ask them. I would. Mm, I don't know. I was gonna say I would ask them if I wanted, if they wanted me to, but then I would feel like they would say no. Be just because. To say yeah. no. So I would probably put it out there that I was gonna try to. Yeah, try and to see move. if they fought for you. Just yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would probably do something like that. I couldn't imagine being caught. I mean, I think by Debbie, I wouldn't care, but being caught in that position. I mean, the boy had his. His, you was the higher the legs, the closer to God. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah. Because the legs He was, was touching up, heaven there. Baby, he was touching, okay? At least the, the pinky toe, at least. Yeah. So, I mean, if Carl busted in. Ooh, well, and Lord. I think it depends on the situation. If it's somebody yeah. your age or like in your kind of friend circle or whatever, then that's one thing. But just the dynamic with him and Debbie yeah. that, and Carl, that would be awkward. Yeah. yeah I was like, ooh, eh. Oh, no. I think I would have to get up out of there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we see Ted opening another protein bar. It's his fourth, and I don't think that's how you're supposed to eat those. But Ted isn't worried. He says that he'll burn off the carbs, and Emmett tells him he'd have to go up in flames. That part. Like, <laughs> yeah. baby, what are you going through? Yeah. <laughs> those are the gains we're talking about, man. Yeah. <laughs> Emmett very lovingly tells him that he's getting a little, a little, a little hearty, a little uh, robust, and uh, a little fat. Brian contributes <laughs> when he strolls over. And he tells Ted that if he starts singing, then it's all over. <laughs> they said it ain't over to the fat lady saying. Ted doesn't think he's fat. He's bulking up. He lost weight when he was on Crystal, and then he shed a few pounds when he was on the Liberty Rise. So he thinks that he looks pretty good. He's like, I'm just, you know, leveling out. But I think he's in that place where he's he's kind of feeling okay and stable again. Right. And so he's taking some of the pressure off of himself to like always have to be looking a certain or whatever. Perfect. Yeah. And so sometimes you can exist in that, but sometimes you go too far Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh, yeah, the pendulum swings too far in the other direction. And so, yeah, that's what I was. I never have a a balanced middle ground. Oh yeah. My, I'm always all the way left, all the way right. Yeah, Yeah. Like why can't it just sway in the middle for me? But yeah, I'm like a Ted, like I will go to the extreme always. But yeah, he is picking on the little weight, though. He, he yeah. be packing it on. But he thinks he looks good. And apparently so does the guy walking by, cruising him. And uh, who knew you could catch Twinkies by stuffing them in your mouth? <laughs> 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 Emmett leaves to go apartment hunting. And I like the playfulness between Emmett and Brian here. Brian is a lot more playful now without the like menacing, kind of condescending edge to it. And uh, he's kind of softened up. With his friends over the seasons, and I like that. Yeah, no, he did. Like, I told y'all from, like, maybe season two, we are getting a new Brian. Those layers have just come down. He's able to open himself up. 
uh, I mean, he's friendlier. He's doing things that he normally wouldn't do, things that we think Brian normally mm-hmm. wouldn't do. And he's not self-conscious about it. No. He's not worrying about, does this taint my image? Right. Not at all. I mean, for one, Brian don't have to worry about that because he's Brian effing Kenny. Okay. Yeah, like, well, and he's starting to learn that he's a little bit more than that. Yes, now. A- absolutely. So, I mean... It's 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 great seeing him in those moments, like like him and Emmett um, going back and forth on Ted. It's good seeing that, you know, seeing him being playful with, with Michael and Babylon and things like that. And just how him, uh, the dynamic between him and Justin has changed and he's able to let him in and, and, and just actually be free and love. Mm-hmm. Although he doesn't actually say those words, that's what he's experiencing and that's, that's what he's giving. Yeah. So it's good to see this new Brian to see him let loose and yeah. let go and get, step outside of his head because that's where he lives a yeah, lot. Yeah, and I love the evolution of the friendships too, how he he was that way with Michael in the beginning, but really Michael was kind of the only person who got to see that. Right. He wasn't as playful with Lindsay, even though they were so close friends, but he wasn't as playful with her. But now, and remember how he used to treat Ted and, and Emmett kind of like yeah. they just were tag-alongs of Michael's in season one, but now these are his friends too. And he's actually accepted that. Yeah, yeah. he's built these relationships yeah, with them. And so he is, the way that he is with them, he's letting them see more of himself, too. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a really cool thing. I love where him, uh, where he and Ted has come, um, mm-hmm. uh, ended, like, or where they're at right now. Yeah. Like, I would have never guessed in my wildest dreams that you would see Ted being confident in front of Brian. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, because Ted is confident now, yeah, too. Yeah, just, so. like, walk into his office, yeah. grab a bear claw, make jokes. Yeah, like, yeah. and just kicking it. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, damn, Michael who? You know, like... <laughs> It is. Yeah. It does feel like Ted has kind of slipped right into that role. Yeah, for real. Yeah. So, uh, Michael is walking by Brian, and Brian tries to get him to come check out what's lurking in the midst in the steam room. But Michael has to go because he's expecting a call from Brett. He wants uh, Michael to give him some input on a few things. And the look on Brian's face tells me that he doesn't want to hear anything about L.A. or Brett or Rage the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But he can't say that or make it too obvious because he's being supportive. It's his friend. This is their project. This is a big deal for them. And it's really not about the movie. And so, yeah. But this movie is taking his sunshine away. And now he's going to be gone even longer. Yeah. So so I don't, I mean, like, I'm supportive, but just save it. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, because then if the movie does well, which it absolutely would, then that that's would mean more time. that's the sequels. Mm-hmm. And so, like, Justin's already talking about that. And so that's even more time. So Brian's got some thoughts about <laughs> about that. Well, Michael thought that Brian had a plane to catch anyway um, because he knows that, and he's like, Justin's going to be so excited to see you. But Brian tells him that the trip has been canceled while taking off his shirt, I guess because he's going to the steam room. At first, I was like, what the heck is he doing? Yeah, right on the <laughs> gym floor. Right? Yeah, but he's he's going to the steam room. And Michael says, well, I thought you had all these plans to surprise him. And Brian says, the surprise is there isn't going to be one. Oh, that just made me mad. I know. Like, it made me mad sad. and sad, <laughs> but mad too. <laughs> like, yeah. Brian, now you, you, you're backsliding. I know. You're slipping back. We are just giving you your props. Yeah, and a few things. Like, I can just imagine everything that Brian had planned and how cute it was that he wanted this to be a surprise. I'm sure he booked a great place for them to stay, and I would have paid really good money to see both of their faces when they saw each other. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, I would have loved to see that. And it would have meant the world to Justin that Brian planned this and showed up to see him. And Brian would have loved seeing how happy he made Justin 
And, you know, Brian was so excited about this plan that he couldn't keep it to himself. Like, Brian could have just said, I'm going to see a potential client or whatever. But he told Michael the truth that he was going to see Justin. Even Ted knew he was going to see Justin. And he keeps nearly everything to himself. Right? Is there even some things that he doesn't tell Justin? But he told Mikey about this and that he was about his plans to go and surprise his sunshine. And he arranged things at work, just did all this work to make this happen and then to just like cancel it. Why do you think he canceled? I mean, we know he had the phone call with Justin when he was Mm -hmm. in Babylon in the back room. And, you know, they both were missing each other. And Justin gave him the news that maybe, you know, it's going to be a little longer than expected, da 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 da, all this and that. But from that moment, like, I don't, that doesn't read, oh, I need to cancel. Yeah. Like, to me, that's like, oh, damn, I more time? I have a theory. And, uh, y'all, I ain't pulled out a theory we on y'all in a minute. Girl, we, we want But the it's theories. gonna come up later. Oh, okay. Well, I, I will and remind it's a, you. And it's quite a, an extensive one. Okay. So you're gonna have to bear with me, but I got you in just a minute. Uh, Do you want to tell me why you think he? No, I, I still, I'm still, I'm wait, I'm trying to, I'm replaying the episode in my head now. Like, did I miss something? Like, yeah. what did he say that triggered him to... To, like I mean, because like, he could still go yeah. see him. I'm like, what? Like he's living his best life, but he, you know, Justin would. He doesn't want to live his best life if you're not part of the right. best life. You so, are part of the best life. Like so, like no, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I need your theory. Okay, to the, get me the together. theory is coming in a, in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, for now the trip is canceled, and I am. We are both sad and mad and a little bit confused. That part, it. all of that. Yeah. Well, then we get another storyboard and voiceover. Reverend Swinehart enraged deep in the catacombs of his church. (laughs) That's a good voiceover. Suspended above flames. (laughs) That's some good voiceover. His hands bound in really hot leather restraints. Meanwhile, JT races to his rescue. I sounded just like him. You sounded just like him. Like, you thought he was in here. I saw him. He was so scared. I'm telling you now, girl. I was scared. (laughs) I could feel the flames. Yeah. Well, then we see Justin drawing the boards uh, uh, for the catacomb sequence, and Brett needs that now. Justin is hurrying as fast as he can and praying his hand holds out uh, because there's a lot of fine motor skill involved in what he's drawing and how he's drawing these things. And we know that he still has issues with his hand. This is years later at this point. Just kind of a mm, another reminder why we need to hate Chris Hobbs. That part. In all things homophobia. <laughs> anyway, um... Brett comes in to drop off some good news. They just signed someone to play Rage. It's Connor James. And they are in public, so Connor gives Justin a very straight masculine handshake there. And keep it very businesslike. He initially turned down the part, but the director convinced him that it would be good for his career and show everyone that he is a straight guy who has no problems playing gay for pay. (laughs) Brett, Justin, and Connor uh, are all in on this joke, of course. What do you think about the choice for Connor as uh, as Rage? I think it's perfect now, though, because Justin actually had a chance to get to know him, you know, um, really know him. Yeah. So um, I think it is. It's, it's probably going to be good. You know, Justin has a rapport with him. He can get him to where Rage needs to be. And he's good looking. Right. I think he's good looking. He fits the part. Yeah, I, well, I'm happy for it. And they know that Connor will be able to enjoy this because he'll get to do something, something that, that he, he can't do in public. Exactly. And so he'll really get to hide in plain sight for a little while. Hide in plain sight. <laughs> and to have a character who is it's true gay, to himself, but who, but he, but true, he's got his reasons why he's in the closet and why he thinks he has to be. But anyway, the three of them having something in common, being that they are all gay men, yep. it's, I think it's going to be important to have a star who is, 
working on that movie True. who can relate to that. And I'm pretty sure that's why he probably turned it down originally is because it was a gay character. Then, and then, of course, people are going to assume you're gay. Yeah, they automatically throw you. I, I guarantee, I wonder how this cast, like the real cast, I wonder how their real life, you know, how the, oh, yeah, the show affected their real life. deal with that, yeah. Right. But yeah, I'm pretty sure he turned it down just because it was a gay character. Although, like, For you sure. know, that script was phenomenal, you know. And then the way Justin describes it and the storyboards, like, I mean, you can see everything. Although it looks phenomenal, I mean, he had his agents probably was like, no, that's going to be a career yeah, move. Just um, like all this, this cast, all mm-hmm. of their agents, for the most part, told him, do not do this. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, so, you don't want to do this. I can see why he said no, but I'm glad he was talking to saying yes, because, I mean, it could blow his career up. Mm-hmm. The show, you're showing vers- versatility, for one. You're portraying that you're the straight guy, so no one knows what you secretly, secretly are. Mm-hmm. So if you come out and you blow this out the water, I mean, now you are like a versatile actor. And it's going to be a smash hit because there is nothing, just like Queer as Folk was the first one to push those limits, there has never been the gay superhero yet. So, yeah. I mean, like, you're pushing the limits. You're the first of the first. So, right. I mean, it, to me, it would be the best strategic move yeah. for this actor. Yeah, it'd be risky, but it would be mm-hmm. it would definitely be worth it, I think. Well, then we see Michael and Emmett, and they're putting together some trays of food for Melanie and Lindsay. The, uh, the party is still going on next door, by the way. The Rager. I want to go over there. <laughs> That music is bumping. You know, I feel yeah. like I wouldn't mind. It's like, hey, I'm in the mood for a little something. And yeah. just to know that they've already, they've got a 24-7 party going on. That you know? part. You know, Babylon where? Bab- this is the new Babylon. Yeah. I mean. Because they're young, hot. They got the music popping. You know they got drinks. It might be a little annoying when I'm trying to fall asleep. But somehow, when I'm tired enough, I can just go to sleep. It doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ben comes into the kitchen. And after functioning in that kitchen for like two years now, just now he decides it's, it's too, too tight. Small. Yeah. <laughs> and you can barely turn around and he just oh he's over all of it yeah and uh he also comments on baby babylon happening across the <laughs> hall Emmett asks michael what's going on and he says that ben thinks the building is turning into a den of iniquity with all the sex drugs and cruising and Emmett doesn't see the problem with those that. Are like, the pros, those baby. are the pros. Yeah. <laughs> What's the cons? <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. In fact, he's gonna go to the leasing office tomorrow. That part. He's like, okay. should I move back in? <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking, baby, when y'all trying to move? Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm thinking y'all can move into Young Deborah's <laughs> while y'all get y'all stuff together. Yeah. I don't mind. I would take this lease over right now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but the bottom line is Ben thinks that they've outgrown their place. And Emmett says, Well, you are Sadie Sadie married lady. Barbara Streisand reference. I did catch that one. Um, but not saying that he agrees with Ben, but he does see where Ben is coming from, I think. But Michael says that, no, they are not moving. Ben opens the front door, and I'm not sure why. He already knows what's going on over there. But Michael, and Michael tells him, like, hey, calm down. It's just young guys having fun. Like, we were that age once. And Ben says, yeah, but we're not anymore. It's time to move to a house on a street like Eli and Monty's. And, like, why do we need to be clones of Eli and Monty? That part, you <laughs> like, know. But uh, what Ben is struggling with is, I mean, he can't, he doesn't have any real children of his own, mm-hmm. you know, and we know that it was something that he wanted. This is my opinion. So yeah. he doesn't have any real children of his own, and we know that's something that he, he kind of wanted. Now Michael has this. He wants to feel successful, as in I he think wants to feel, feel established. Yeah, established. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. He wants to feel established, and he thinks if I get a house— if I move out of this neighborhood and I'm surrounding myself around these type of people and it, it'll make him feel more grown up, more established. And Michael just like, well, I'm not trying to keep up with the Joneses. I like it here. I love it here. This mm-hmm. is this it works. Yeah. This is my home. Like, I don't really want to go. But 
Ben wants to leave. He wants to feel that maturity. He yeah. wants to feel established, like you said. Yeah, in his kind of defense, he didn't really choose that area. He moved there because he moved in with Michael because yeah. he gave up his place because he was going he was to Tibet. go to bed. Yeah. And so maybe there that is the kind of lifestyle that he was always wanting. Right. And just kind of I guess he just put it off because he was in this new relationship and then they had stuff going on with Hunter and all this other junk. So maybe He's always wanted this, but he's put it off. Well, we already know Ben was about to dip out anyway of that apartment. He was, yeah. like, he was like, okay, you know what? You wanted me to move in here, but you're always out with Brian. You know, I'm that's just going to find me a new place. And who he wasn't going to live over there. Yeah, so that's not really home to him. I guess he's never really been tied to that place. So, I, I yeah, okay. I can kind of, yeah, defend that. But anyway, I do feel like he's just being a clump because of the way he worded it. Mm-hmm. Like, we need to move over there like Eli and Monty. And she's like... No, we need to move over there like Ben and Michael. Yeah, for okay. real. Because that, you know, the first panel that we saw in this episode was about the land of the clones. Yes. And I think that's kind of what it what it is. Mm-hmm. Like now Ben is like, okay, now we're married, we have children, and we need to here's the next phase in life. Here's what this needs to look like. And when so, I saw Eli and Monty, I immediately thought gays are blazes. Uh, yes, gays yes. I was like, like, yes. I was like uh, <laughs> come to life. No. Right? Don't do it. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh but to be clear, I do think this is a normal argument. I can see, like we said, I can see where Ben is coming from, but it's like he got this ring on his finger and was immediately like, now I'm too good and too old for this. I'm above all this. Thing. I'm done mm-hmm. with that. I with told those. you marriage has changed things. <laughs> yeah. I changed. said that last episode. You did. It ain't broke. Don't fix it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I feel like he's not giving Michael time to catch up, though. Like Now, we all know that Michael will, will resist change and he will resist some parts of growing up. And moving on. So, yeah, he does need a nudge periodically. But he still needs time to process and get not nudging. He is, like, dragging Michael into this decision. Yeah, that's like a... Sometimes I'm like that. You know, I'm a cancer. So, I mean, it's like... (laughs) I want it my way and I want it done now. When I and knowing that I'm the <laughs> slowest person to do something when it, I need to do it, but when yeah. I want something done from you, I want it done now. Okay. Yeah. Move it. Let's go. No, we're too old for this. This is trash. No, this is ghetto. No, we're not doing it. It's time to go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to hear nothing. I want to be gone next week. Yeah. But surprisingly, Michael is actually being pretty responsible here. He says, we need time to review our finances. We need to check out the numbers, right, Emmett? And a very single Emmett goes across the hall to do just that. Check out them numbers, because <laughs> Emmett, come get me, baby. You need a plus one. Okay, I need I need to be over there, too, with that Christina Aguilera going. Yeah. We see Brian and Michael out shopping, and he has all these new coins to burn, and it's so exhausting trying to figure out what to do with them. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know? I don't know what to do. Yeah. Michael is also making money decisions. He tells Brian about Ben wanting to buy a house in this new area where all the gay couples are moving, and Brian looks physically ill at the <laughs> thought of becoming a Stepford gay. Yes. Because to Brian, that just reeks of conforming and assimilation and cookie cutter yeah. clone type stuff. And we know he's not about that. No, I don't think any of us should be about that. Why no, we always if it's what you want because you do right. want to do it, but not because Eli and Monty's over yeah. there doing it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hell up out of here. Yeah. Well, Michael is uh, trying to help Brian with his money problems, and he says maybe Brian could use his money on a new place, like in the country, perhaps, but Brian hates the country, or a yacht, but what are you going to do with a yacht in Pittsburgh? And he's a tad shy of 20 mil needed for a ride on the space shuttle. That part. So um, none of Michael's suggestions are working, so he settles for maybe just a bottle of wine for Melanie and Lindsay's anniversary. Well, Brian knows what's up with that situation, so uh, he ain't 
I'm planning on going to that mess. <laughs> and while I'm glad he's keeping his mouth shut on this, I mean, of course he is. It's Brian. But he knows that Michael is about to walk into a mess. And he, he couldn't he he didn't warn him even warn nothing. <laughs> but it's not, it's not his place. It's not. It's really not. I was going to ask you what you thought about that, but it's really not his Mm-mm. place. I mean, Michael yeah. would have told the world. And I doubt he's going to warn Melanie and Lindsay either because he's like, that's not my relationship. Yeah. It's not my house. It's not my anniversary. Mm-mm. So, no. And also, this is he wants them to, like, clearly Lindsay been coming. We saw Lindsay talk to him at least twice, yeah. you know, about what's going on, mm-hmm. whatever the case. So, I mean, we don't know how many conversations have already taken place. Uh-huh. Then, then two, he's probably like, if y'all haven't told everybody by now, this is shame on y'all. So, you know, Brian is for the wake-up calls. Right. You know, he, he is for the wake-up at, calls. At a certain, a certain point, he's very yeah. live and let live for the most part. But at a certain point, it's like, okay, the truth yeah. needs to be told. That part. So, this is their wake-up call. So, yeah, Brian going to zip it, click it, and kick it. He yeah. zipped them lips, locked that key, and kicked it away. Well, because he's probably thinking y'all had three months to do this on your own terms, yeah. and you didn't do it that way. So, I guess this is how it's going to happen. That part. So, um, yeah, he's not saying anything for either party. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that. Yeah. Anyway, just because Brian canceled his trip doesn't mean he's planning on raising a glass for uh, for them. Um, well, the he, munchers. Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah, I was gonna say he doesn't say it quite like that. But uh, Brian can't say anything in a nice, simple way that I can repeat. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, they pass a motorcycle, and Brian thinks that that's a possibility. But I don't think the audience can handle Brian on a motorcycle. It's like too much. We would all spontaneously combust. Yeah, did you hear we, me say the Ducati? Oh no. <laughs> yeah. We can't handle seeing him, seeing yes. all of that on a motorcycle. Girl, we, we can't. I want to see him shirtless with just some chaps on. You know what I'm saying? Some chaps on and, and some glasses and a helmet. That's it. No, you know? we can't handle it. Girl, None of us can handle it. Mr. Kenny, I can handle it. I know the rest of these, um, the rest of them, they cannot, you know. But baby, if you could come bless my eyes one good time on that red Ducati, okay, with nothing on. Yeah, because I know Gail himself used to work on motorcycles and so probably did ride or does still ride. I don't know, but we can't handle it from Brian. Come through with the real life backstory. Yeah. Okay. Uh, going back to Melanie and Lindsay, Brian can't imagine being with the same um, woman for 10 years. And Michael doesn't suppose Melanie and Lindsay could fathom being with the same um, man <laughs> for just as long. And Brian says that makes three of us, but Michael cuts in unless it's Justin. And again, Brian is not amused. Mm-hmm. Um, but he doesn't outright deny it, though. But I think he's just kind of like, at this point, he's... Well, at this point, they got some years under their belt. So, I mean... Yeah. I mean, you can't deny it. Yeah. Like, it's I mean, like, well, the proof and is you, in the pudding. Yeah. And if you had to choose, I mean, yeah. it looks like you already made your choice. Yeah, you made your choice, baby. <laughs> yeah. And whether it's true or not, he doesn't expend the energy on denying what they are or what Justin is to him anymore. And that is what's most important. If this were season one, maybe even season two, Brian would have had to go hook up with like every man, gay or straight or questioning on that block. Yeah, just because Michael said that. (laughs) But luckily, we are not at that point anymore. We just want to say thank you, Ian, because I mean, I think Ian woke Brian up. (laughs) He did. You know, there were some lessons to be learned from that relationship. (laughs) And it was like, oh. If he if I'm not gonna give it to him, he will go get it from somebody else. So okay. <laughs> so yeah, Ian, we hate you. But we, we um, hate you. Stay but, gone. Yes, but, but thank you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. Michael says it's a shame that uh, Brian couldn't go to LA and Brian cuts him off. I'm busy, he's busy. And you know, as if Brian again didn't prearrange all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like Ted walked in totally calm, knowing that he was gonna be gone. They had all planned for this, right. arranged for it. We know he carved out time for this, but the real issue is that he thinks that Justin is too busy. Not too busy working, but too busy living his life without Brian in it. Is that jealousy? 
Ooh, it sure, it sure looks like yeah, it. Yeah, it does to me. That sure looks like you over there, Jealousy. Yeah, it sure is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for real, for real. Like, it sounds like a little jealousy, like he's living his best life without me. But I think it's less jealousy and more you're living a life that doesn't include me. And I'm sad about that because I want your life to include me. Like, remember the last scene with them in season four was him asking Justin to move in. So he wants to not be apart from him. And so I think he's more sad over the fact that Justin is living a life that does not, that seems to be very full without him in it. Yeah. And then we cut to this scene of Justin and Connor having this very hot and heavy hookup, which we'll come back to because I got thoughts on that. Yeah, let me come back to that because to be honest, I mean, yeah. Yeah, we'll talk. Don't worry about that. And Michael tells him, hey, we're all busy. He's got stuff going on. He's just busy right now. But he hopes that Justin will come back in time so they can finish the next issue of Rage. And Brian says he's not coming back. Michael is shocked to hear that. Like, did he tell you that? And Brian says he didn't have to. And of course, we can look at the surface of this and figure out what Brian is doing. But I want to dig a little deeper into the why of what I think is going on with Brian. I'll go first because I know you're going you finna slay it right <laughs> here. Um, Brian is protecting his heart. Okay, Brian is protecting himself because he feels like once Justin gets a taste of success and get out there moving and shaking with the movie stars and and maybe date a few movies, movie stars, like he's going to toss them to the side. But where Brian doesn't realize, he don't understand how much Justin really loves for him. Yeah. The, fall, the fight that Justin had to go through at such a young age just to beat with him, you know? He had he, to fight Brian yes, to beat with him. That part, no, for real. <laughs> like, that's why I don't understand when people are like, Justin never loved Brian. I was like, you understand that he had to fight Brian to be able to love Brian and be with him. If he didn't love him, why would he still be there? Yeah, he wouldn't. He makes a conscious decision every day to come over and see Brian. Even during the whole cancer treatment stuff, he laid low, act like he didn't know what was going on. When Michael spilled the beans, he fought hard to get back there. He didn't even, after Brian literally tossed his little ass, I mean, Brian tossed his little ass out in his stuff, okay, and told him, get out of my place, don't come back, whatever. He still fought to come back and made him eat soup. That's just one small little thing that Justin has done, you Mm -hmm. know, over the years. Brian has to get out of this thought like, Oh, they're going to um, they gonna leave. They're going to leave. They're going right. to leave. No one stays. Love isn't real. He got to get out of that because you're going to miss out on the best thing that could ever happen to you yeah. because we love when you and Justin are together. Y'all are phenomenal when you two are together. Mm-hmm. And when y'all are putting your heads together, I mean, you're a force that is unbreakable and, unstoppable. and unstoppable. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, look at the things that they've taken down. Yeah, when I know. They are working Stockwell. Together. I mean, yeah. everything. Like, I mean, for real. So... He's protecting himself, or, or yeah. that, that's just his little coping mechanism, um, defense mechanisms to protect his heart because he's finally giving it out and he's feeling that it's coming back to bite him in the ass like he always knew yeah. it would, you know, yeah. but that's not, that's really not the case. Yeah. Okay. So this is where my theory comes in and it's kind of what you were saying, but it's just the why behind mm-hmm. the, the what, because I do think that's what it is. He is protecting himself, but why would he be doing that? Mm-hmm. And why after the growth that we've seen, yeah. definitely from last season, but from all four seasons. Why are we back in this place? Right. And so that's what I kind of wanted to dig into. So I'm going to bring up some psychology here because y'all know, you know, anybody who goes and gets a degree in psychology, they got to talk about it all the time. Well, right? girl, are we ready. Come on, <laughs> yeah. Doc. Okay. You got to indulge me for a minute. I'm ready. So I, as I was watching this scene, something popped into my head. And I think that Brian has an issue with object permanence. That's something that we learn about with kids. Object permanence involves understanding that things and people continue to exist even when you can't see or hear them. Our object constancy is the emotional equivalent of mm-hmm. that. So I might use those interchangeably, object permanence or object constancy. 
Now, to fully develop this, we have to understand that our caregiver, or in this case, our partner, is someone who is simultaneously a loving presence in our life and a separate individual who could walk away. Yeah. So when you have a handle on object constancy, rather than needing the person to be there with you all the time, you have an internalized image of their love and care. And so even when they are temporarily out of sight, you still know that you are loved and supported. It allows us to trust that our bond with those close to us will remain even when they are not physically around. Absence doesn't mean disappearance or abandonment. It only means distance. Mm-hmm. Like they're just over there. <laughs> you know? Right. It doesn't mean that they left me. They're just standing over there. Right. Okay. So for an insecurely attached person, uh, any kind of distance, even a brief one, can trigger them to re-experience the original pain of being left alone or rejected. So we can have a whole conversation about attachment styles. And I think Brian has an avoidant attachment style where he avoids it. Yes. But he also has an insecure attachment style because he's very yes. insecure in attaching to people emotionally or intimately. Um, so, like I said, that fear could trigger coping survival skills such as denial, avoidance, dismissing others, lashing out in relationships, or uh, the pattern of sabotaging relationships to avoid potential rejection. So basically, I'm reading Brian's therapy notes, right? Girl, you're reading them. <laughs> that sounds okay. like him from season one up until now. All the way to now. Because we know that this was Brian's whole childhood also. Yeah. Like Joan might have been there physically, but both Joan and Jack were emotionally unavailable. And with the abuse and the alcoholism going on in that house, he would have had a very chaotic upbringing. And as a result, Brian's emotional development was stunted, which mm-hmm. none of us would question that. It definitely mm-hmm. was. And I think because of that, he has never had the opportunity to fully develop object constancy. And so without it, a person may see relationships as being unreliable and vulnerable. And there seems to be no continuity in the way they view their partner or relationship. It might shift from moment to moment uh, and is either good or bad. And that explains why in the last episode, Brian saw Justin as his motivation, his sunshine, his end goal in a lot of ways. But here... He's all, Justin doesn't care about me. Yeah. I'm like. <laughs> Just so quickly. You know? How? <laughs> yeah. And so, because in, we know Justin was not there physically during the Liberty Ride, but he was very much there with Brian. He was. And Brian was carrying him with him. And so he knew that Justin would be waiting for him at the finish line. So in that case, he, he had gave, Yeah, that, he had him. But mm-hmm. something is triggered in him. And so that feeling of being abandoned or left on their own can become so overwhelming that it evokes very intense and sometimes childlike reactions from people. And so you would see some of that immature behavior. Just coming through. Yeah, think about season two when Brian thought Justin and Michael were buddying up without him. His reaction was very childish. And those are Brian's words. He knows that what he did was very childish. Right. But he felt like, I'm being abandoned, I'm being rejected. So that's how he, that's what he immediately went into. Now, when that abandonment fear is triggered, shame and self-blame come right after that. and The people around Brian may not always understand the origins or severity of his strong reactions. So it may look like he's being unreasonable or immature. But really, if we acknowledge that he's acting from a place of repressed trauma and consider what it might have been like for a two-year-old to be left alone with an emotionally unavailable parent or to not really know what kind of interaction he would have with his parents on any given day, the intense fear, rage, and despair would all make sense. It would Mm. make sense that he would revert to acting like a child because that's where where that first starts. Exactly. That's when you first experience it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you go back to that. And especially if you factor in the whole alcoholic thing, like Jack in the morning could have been like fun and playful and nice or whatever. But it's because it's payday. So he's happy. And then he leaves and then he's gone and he's out with his friends and he gets drunk and he starts to regret everything in his life. So he comes home 
And while he was, he, so he was there, then he was gone. And when he comes back, he's a totally different person. Yep, and so. so you don't know what to mm-hmm. expect between a person being there, leaving and come back, coming back. So it makes sense that Brian would kind of have a little bit of that, <laughs> that going on. That's so deep. Yeah. But so knowing all of that and as sad as that is, it makes sense why this conversation kind of goes the way it goes and why Brian seems to regress. Yeah. Right here. Feels abandoned. Doesn't know how how he's going to be when he comes back. Does that go into a control thing? You think it has anything to do with, like, does Brian need control? Although he's given Justin permission to go, which Justin doesn't need permission, but he gave him his blessings to go, whatever the case. But since when he comes back, he doesn't know how Justin's going to be or act. You know how Jack would leave and be happy and come back and be mean. You think it has something to do with, like, I can't control the situation? Like, I don't know what's up? I think control does come into it but what happens is you start to you go into survival mode so you start to control what you can what mm, he can control mm-hmm. is cutting this off and saying i'm not going to see you right i'm not going to keep i'm not going to pretend this is something that is obviously not to you because right you've clearly moved on from me so because mm. you're gone and you're not thinking about me anymore and so he doesn't understand that well it's like he knows it but something is triggered in him to right. where now he can't make that connection anymore right right right, right. that's a good theory that was like a million words, but I hope that that made uh, sense. It all made sense. I mean, especially when you start giving the examples and breaking it down, his childhood and him resorting back to that age. I mean, like it all came together so well, like so, so well. I mean, you could now you can see, you can actually see Brian in that mm-hmm. moment and hit the wheels turning and what he was thinking. Like yeah. you, you painted that picture very well. Okay, good. So I feel like it's that the object permanence issue, but also it's what he was doing back in his office earlier. He was thinking, is this what Justin's life should be, flying back and forth to fit me into his schedule? And he's thinking, why would Justin want that? It's those insecurities coming back up again. And to see Brian going from being so giddy in the beginning of this episode to being so insecure right here is kind of rough. If I didn't know any better and I was just watching this scene without context, I would think that he is cold and heartless, but it's actually the exact opposite. When Justin is in Pittsburgh, sure, Brian's the best thing there. But now he's had a taste of Hollywood. And how can Brian compete with that? That's where his head's at. Back on scene, um, Michael is a little bit confused because, like we said, when he talked to Justin, all Justin said was it was going to take a little bit longer. And Brian says, listen to me, Mikey, are you listening? And Michael is. And he says, figure it out for yourself. First, it's three months. Then it's six months. One project turns into another and another. And before you know it, he's been there One year, five years, 10 years, that's how it goes. And I don't blame him. He's having the time of his life, working in the movies, hooking up with movie stars. And then we see that that scene of uh, Connor and Justin again. And it's like, this feels very extreme, Brian. Um, But Michael can see what's going on here. And he tries to reassure Brian. And he says, that doesn't mean he's never coming back. Like, yes, he may be there having fun, doing all this great stuff. But that doesn't mean he's never coming back. And Brian, who is used to being rejected and abandoned, who even expects that, doesn't see why Justin would come back to Pittsburgh after being in L.A. If it were him, he would ne- he would never come back. That's yet. him again, shortchanging himself. Like, yeah. you're here. He would come back for you, right, Brian. Right, but not thinking that he's worthy. worthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Michael tries to tell him that Justin's not him. But Brian says it's time Justin got on with his life and it's time he got on with his Justin never said he wasn't coming back. Let's just put that Yeah, he didn't. But because of Brian's issues with object permanence or object constancy, he just automatically goes to the extreme. Like, he's never coming back. Yeah, he said three months. He's working, baby. Yeah. Working. <laughs> okay, you was going to Ibiza and not telling nobody. What, right, what was that? Right, okay. You went to Chicago. Not sure yeah. you trying to save your job, but you didn't, you didn't clue me in on mm-mm, any of that. Mm-mm, like, mm-mm. yeah. So, 
Yeah, and you was out in Miami during the wedding. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-mm. He's coming home, baby. He like, is. He's going he to is. the extreme. But we see this kind of resigned sadness in his face reflected in the glass when he's looking at the motorcycle. Okay, let's deal quickly with Justin and Connor. So I don't think that was actually happening. Because, that was a vision, yeah. Yeah, that was, it was one of Brian's intrusive thoughts, which we were introduced to in, uh, you know, mm-hmm. in, in episode 414. Um, we saw what things are like in his head, and here's we're seeing it again. Brian feels like Justin is replacing him. Yeah. So in his mind, that's what's happening. He's being replaced by Connor or whoever else. Yeah. But because he knows for sure Justin hooks up with Connor before, that's, a that's vision. the person yeah. that he transposes on his body is right. what it is. Because the way that they are together is, is very much kind of Brian and yeah. Justin. And we also know that Justin really doesn't bottom for tricks, you know, the people. No, like, not so generally, with him, no. with him throwing that ass back like that, I was like, this gotta be a dream. Yeah, and it's just, and we know Justin wouldn't be hooking up with Connor again because that would be against their yeah, rules. Yeah, the rules. And also at this point, it would be too messy because Connor's involved in the movie and so yeah. it's not a good look. That definitely was just a vision, a projection in Brian's mind. He's just torturing himself. I know, but <laughs> what the torturing though, with, with him torturing himself, it shows that he does care and he does love Justin. Yeah. Because a little bit of jealousy is coming out. If you have any thoughts going on, you're caring deeply. Yeah. That's the way I see it. You yeah. Know? Well, and he's hurt because he feels like, in his mind, he feels like he's so yeah. easily replaceable. Yeah, he feels Even that, that's true. Even though he's like, I'm gorgeous, I'm this, I'm that, you know, he still feels like in the, in this relationship with Justin, he's very replaceable. Those are some of the best moments, though, when we get some down-to-earth, real Brian mm-hmm. to see that he is not invincible. I, I didn't want it to be cancer to show us that he was not invincible, but but yeah, yeah. But I mean that that humbled him. But then this scene too gives us like a touch of exactly who Brian is, like those insecurities that come up, the insecurities yeah, that come thought, up on him. Oh, great! He crossed the finish line. We're all good now. But yeah. like, that's not how real Mm-mm. life works, you know. So, and that and he for thirty years dealt with those insecurities, mm-hmm. so they're not going to be gone. And you know, just yeah. so quickly. Yeah, I mean, no, it's no gonna way. Take time. Mm-hmm. Melanie is home with JR, and she can't believe how someone so little can have so much poop in them. She might just grow up to be a lawyer. That's a wonderful line. That's funny. <laughs> People do always say that lawyers are... Full of shit. Yeah, I was going to say FOS, but mm-hmm. of course, you came right in. <laughs> Full of shit. That's what my mama told me. Yeah, I resent that. Anyway, <laughs> Michael is knocking at the door, unannounced, of course, and he brought a 10th anniversary celebration with him, including the gang and a bunch of friends. Girl, okay, my thing is, if, if you were bringing Debbie and, and Emmett and Ted and shit, I get that, but you popped up with the friends. Yeah, yeah, Ted brought a plus one. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ted brought a plus one. Yeah. And it was people we ain't never seen before. I was like, oh, hell no. Yeah. You do not come okay. to my house my, unannounced. My friends who have had babies, if you show up at their house with that many people, like you getting cussed out. All the If way. they even open the door for you. And because this is a newborn. Got, you know, they got junk all over the house. Especially if they already have another child. They've got stuff all over the house at any given point. Like, maybe y'all are tidier than my friends, but they always got but dirty diapers everywhere. Yeah. Or whatever, you know, dirty burp cloths. And like, you just don't show up. At somebody's house like that. Yeah, and the baby's only three months. You don't bring the baby around all these damn people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then what happened if, if JR is down there sleeping and then we got a whole party with champagne right. going on? Who going up there to take care of the baby? Like, I appreciate the sweet gesture, but this was not what you thought it was before we even get yes. to the rest of it. And then how do you already know that I wasn't taking a damn nap? Maybe I need to get any Z's that I can get. Yeah. And I mean, you knocking on the door. He beating on the door like he the damn police. Like, yeah, it was a sweet idea, but I just cannot recommend this. 
No, I cannot recommend it either. <laughs> well, no. no, it wasn't a sweet idea. It was a sweet. It was sweet that he wanted to do something, right. but this was not the right. That's not the way you do it. No. Uh, Melanie tells Michael that Lindsay and Gus are at the grocery store. Then she excuses herself to run upstairs to make an emergency call. Get that phone, girl. Yeah. And we see uh, Tubby Teddy is being spoon-fed by his new little man. Mm -hmm. Uh, Emmett and Debbie are chatting, and she wants to know where Emmett has been since she and Carl moved uh, back. And he tells her that he's been out looking for a place. She laughs it off, saying Carl will get used to it. And Emmett's trying to respect their relationship, though, and give them space. And he feels like that's the right move. But Debbie doesn't want him to go. You're irreplaceable. <laughs> that was a sweet, it's a sweet little scene, whatever the case. But I love that Emmett is taking the initiative to say, hey, boo. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to intrude. Debbie at, would you know never put somebody out on no, the street like never. that. never. Like, thank you. We appreciate it. And I know why Debbie doesn't want to let it go because she hasn't had a friend like this. This mm -hmm. is her Vic replacement. Mm -hmm. The things that she did with Vic... It's the things I'm pretty sure everything she rambled off, the pulling back, how much work yeah, to be I done. Yeah, I know Vic did all that, but this up. one doesn't have that obligation or that no, guilt to it. It was just a, a true friend. Like mm -hmm. they, they, they created this friendship and this bond, and she doesn't want to lose it. You know, yeah. like that was a good memory that was still left in that house. You mm -hmm. know, so she's doing whatever she can to keep him, keep him in the house. But I love that he's like, no, boo. Like you and your man is home. I'm not about to like be intrusive. I'm not going to mm -hmm. just overstay my welcome. Like it's time. Because he already knows that she was proposed to, although she didn't, she's not going to take the leap until the rest of the world catches up to what what it should have done. Um, he, she's in love, yeah. you know. Like, why, I'm and not going to be the third wheel. New, they've only been living together for a couple yeah. months now, and mm -hmm. yeah. So I totally respect and appreciate what Emmett is trying to to do for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Lindsay and Gus finally show up with nary a grocery insight. <laughs> uh, Emmett passes the champagne around and Ben and Michael start to make a toast. We couldn't let the occasion go by without celebrating. Now more than ever, it's important that people know that a gay couple can be just as committed as a straight couple. And they toast to Melanie and Lindsay. And then Lindsay starts to give a speech and Melanie tries to stop her, but Lindsay plows forward and... She thanks everyone for their good wishes, but says they can't keep hiding the truth. It's not fair. No, he probably could have done this tomorrow. Um, but here we are. <laughs> no, I think it was the time. Like, I mean, this girl. I mean, to, all your friends are in one place. Yeah, they're so. all in one place. So you're going to say it once. Also, if you would have just spoken up months ago, you wouldn't be in this predicament. Mm -hmm. This girl had to rush over here. Y'all still telling lies left and right. You know, oh, she's getting groceries. The first thing being said, where's the groceries? Damn, Inspector Gadget. Like, yeah. they're in the car. Okay, yeah. like, I mean, I was coming to get her to come help me get them. What, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah. But um, it, it's time. Like It is time. It, like I said, it's, it's draining keeping up with lies. And and Lindsay's had enough. Like, her keep people telling them, oh, y'all look so good together. We're going to, we we're, you're the couple we look up to. You feel like a fraud. Yeah, you feel like a fraud that's killing her. And then after she tried to reconcile, she said, I'm sorry, so many times. But Mel just ain't having it. Like, mm -hmm. it gets to the point where, no, I don't want to, I don't want to fake this anymore. And I especially don't want to fake it for her ass no more. Yeah. You know, like, she want to keep these stories going. I don't. You know, like, I'm over this. Like, let's go ahead and get it out in the open. Let's say what needs to be said. We're sorry, y'all, we lied. But no, we, yeah. we're having problems. Yeah, she's, we're, we're having problems. And Melanie says that she wasn't having any problems. She was just trying to have a baby. Shade. And then all the poop hits fan. And Lindsay says that she has apologized a million times and Melanie still refuses to forgive her. Well, Melanie absolutely will not accept that her little dalliance had nothing to do with sex, that it was all about art, all the humping was all about form and function. I Girl, mean, she's just putting it out there. I died, okay? <laughs> I died. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, she is putting it out there. Yeah, for everybody to yeah. And the truth is that they haven't been living together since the baby was born. Oh, that's just sad. But I mean, like, how would you feel as a friend knowing like three months your friend's been lying to you for yeah. three months? I think I would probably initially fixate on a three month thing. Like, dang, they've been lying about this for three months. Yeah. But then I would be like, mm, I kind of wondered when I saw this or when yeah. I noticed that or whatever. Things start but clicking. I don't know that I would be upset with them. Right. Because they got their reasons yeah. why they're doing that. And a relationship has fallen apart. Yeah, true. And I'm not going to be mad it's at hard, you. It's even hard to voice it. It's hard enough to even just have those conversations with the person you you actually going through going through that with. Mm-hmm. Let alone once you tell your friends all the questions that they're going to be asking, you know, and you may not be ready to even think about it, you know, like you're still processing. So I mean, it's very difficult. But for Lindsay, she needed to get that off her chest. Yeah. So I mean, she held it long enough. She was like, "It's over, so let's just let it be yeah, over." Yeah, that part. Because if you keep lying about it, I mean. That was male, male holding on to it because she really didn't want to let go. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what she ultimately will reveal later. Yes. She did not want to let go. Mm -hmm. I mean, at all. So she was holding on to as long as possible. She was still mad, which I I agree. She still can be mad. She has that right. Yeah. She has that right to be upset. She has that right to be mad. It is, even if it was six months, hell, maybe it take her a year to get over it. Yeah. And here's what, here's what, now I know well, I guess we can keep talking about it because they're still dealing with it. But I, I kind of don't understand why Lindsay can't understand why Melanie was so upset and why she is still upset. Right. Like, yes, you apologize, but an apology can only do so much. Like, it can't take away what was done. What was done. And so sometimes only, like, time and trust and he- like that, it's going to be need to be more than just more. your apology. And you didn't really give me a really good explanation no, for it. No, you didn't. And, and so, you needed to see if, yeah. you was, if this was the real life. What? You now, said I do. Yeah, like, now again, that? Melanie is being extreme in how she's handling her anger and her hurt. But I really, I'm like, you're really surprised that she's mad? That part, girl, like, you, how you, you're not that oblivious, girl, like, for real. Uh, but I will say, yeah, Mel is doing the most. Yeah. She, she's I, doing I the most. I didn't want to make sure yeah. that people hear us say that. Yeah. She, the she's, way Melanie is handling yeah, her handling hurt is not. It's not. But I still understand, like, this girl was pregnant. I think that's the worst thing you can do to someone. She is in the most vulnerable state, and you go out and have an affair after she's pushing you to do your art. Like, you didn't even want to do the shit. You didn't yeah. want to show them any nothing. You didn't want to... None of that was there. Yeah. None of that passion was there. She pushed you to do that. Something that you love, you know? And then you repay her by disrespecting her and putting her through embarrassment and just hurting her. Yeah. So, I mean, I see why she's mad, but, girl... You're smarter than that. Yeah. And you have, if you loved her as much as you say you do, you would know how to voice your right. anger like, and your hurt in a different way than the way you're showing it. Yeah, that's the main, like, if you, if you really want her back in your home and to really work on this relationship, that's not the way to go about True. it. And you, you know that. Because I don't think, Lin- Lindsay didn't do that when Mel cheated. I mean, I know mm-hmm. it has to deal with a man doing it. Yeah. And then, then the, the time when it happened. But... Mel cheated first, you know. Right. Was that season one, two? Uh-huh, was that? Season one. Yeah, season one. So, um, yeah, Lindsay didn't act like that. Lindsay didn't even want her to leave the house. Mel's like, I'm leaving. I'm moving out. And she's like, why? Like, she's like you can just stay. Yeah, we'll, you can just stay. Yeah, we'll, we'll work, work this out. Yeah. So, I mean, she could have handled it way differently than, she, than she's been handling it. But mm-hmm. everybody handles their problems the way, you know, they can handle them. That's true. We can't have this conversation right now because this episode is getting long, but. I'm curious what you think about the remorse, because it seemed like Melanie was pretty remorseful. And I guess Lindsay is 
She's sorry. She's saying she's sorry. Well, the thing but I is, guess it was from a different place. Yes, it was a different place. But also, we got to see the breakup and what really went on with when Mel did it. You yeah. know, how Lindsay had the house. and The, the storyline kept going. All but, we and know, they were also having actual problems yes, in having, yeah, exactly at that time. Not to say that Melanie cheating was okay no, or better right, or whatever. Right, right, right. But we don't get to see all the conversations that was happening between them. We don't right. know how remorseful she is. Because where we are now is that she thinks that she's apologized a trillion million times mm-hmm. and it's not being received. It's not being heard. So now she's at the point where, fuck it. Like, I don't care. Like, mm-hmm. okay, girl, I did my part. Yes, I did it. I did it. We can't take <laughs> it back. Right. I said I was sorry a million times. I tried to make it up to you, but we, we haven't as an audience. We didn't get, we know those That's things true. taken has taken, t- taken place, but we didn't get to witness it where we saw Melanie trying to, she teaming up with Brian to get back over there to, right. uh, to get in, back into the house. We, we, we saw all of that, but we didn't get to see this time, you know? So That's it's kind of hard to assume why, why Lindsay isn't so remorseful. Cause she really could be. It just could have been, bitch, I've been apologizing for six months. <laughs> She's I've over been sleeping it. on the couch. Yeah, I've been waking. I've been she was ringing bells. To serve her yeah. While she, now, true, she had no choice but to do that. But mm-hmm. yeah, okay. Well, it's all out in the open now. Yeah. Now everyone knows, and we'll see how they all handle that. In the back room, it is very lit again, and <laughs> Brian is there to have a pleasant evening. And then the lights are suddenly turned on. And cops walk in, announcing the club is officially closed. I was like, this damn Stockwell done reached out from prison? <laughs> he did. Like, he got some power. He got some I reach. I like, you know? this motherfucker. Yeah. But Brian needs just a minute to finish some important business there. And the officer allows it, which is kind of surprising. I was like, ooh, if it's Brian finna get this officer. <laughs> but I mean, his face wasn't telling me that he mess around. But it was just like, he let Brian stay and yeah, finish yeah, in the mouth. like, whatever. Leave them, whatever. But Brian says that he'll do the same for him one day. He'll return the favor one day. <laughs> mm, and I was like, oh, no, you will not. Yeah. Okay. I have all these, like, random thoughts. They're not random. I have all these small thoughts that are very premature and not fully formed. But I kind of feel like Brian reduces his life to work and pleasure when he doesn't have anything else going on. Yeah. Now, what else should he be doing? I know you're asking me that. But it just seems like, I don't know. I'll have to think about it some more because I just get a sense of, Oh, we're we're here again. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're we're doing this again. <laughs> it's it's kind of like when um when Justin when Brian and Justin broke up, all he did was go to work mm-hmm. and go to Babylon, work mm-hmm. in Babylon, work in Babylon. And now that Justin's away, mm-hmm. we don't see him doing anything. And he's decided that they they're moving on from yeah. each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe that's it. Well, they say the best way to get over somebody is to get underneath somebody. So, so that's what maybe that's what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, another party is over, and that is Melanie and Lindsay's. But uh, so Melanie, Lindsay, Ben, and Michael are talking. Everyone else is cleared out. Lindsay tells them that she comes over every day to spend time with the baby and allow Melanie to spend time with Gus. Lindsay has a small one bedroom apartment that she's been renting. Correction, they have been renting. Mel just can't let none go. <laughs> she can't. Okay. It's like, Melanie, God. She's a Scorpio. I guarantee you. Ask the writers <laughs> did they write her as a Scorpio? Yeah. Uh, Even though they can barely afford their own house, they are doing this. I kind of sometimes wonder where their money is going, but it is very expensive to be an adult. So whatever. So Ben and Michael are taking this in and Ben says, you know, we're just a little thrown. This is some pretty big news. And I noticed that Ben is seated at the table. Like that's usually a posture that's more willing to engage in conversation and try to listen and understand. And you have Michael standing in the back with his arms pacing and then with his arms folded. 
Lindsay wanted it in the open, but Melanie didn't. She didn't want to deal with having to explain everything after just having a baby is what she tells them. And I also bet there is some like shame and embarrassment too. It is. And a part of Mel yeah, a part of Melanie likes being someone who is kind of like a moral authority on things mm. too. And so I think that's probably an issue. But also Melanie, who is supposed to be lesbian of all lesbians, if she can't keep her wife satisfied and her wife is going off with some man, that has got to be humiliating and demoralizing for for her as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think if it would have been a woman, it would have been maybe it would have been some hurt and some upset. Right. But the fact that it was a man, okay, like that that was the icing on the cake. Yeah. That's why she can't just move on from that because I mean, that's the competition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's the enemy. That's yeah. the with the enemy, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, nah, uh-uh. Well, Ben tells them that we understand, like, you're just having relationship problems, but Michael is not here for that. He says, no, they do not understand. And, of course, he goes for the drama because it's Michael. He's mad that they didn't tell him. He's upset that they lied and pretended. Lindsay calmly says, we made a wrong decision by not telling you, but we've been under a lot of stress. And Michael says, when I agreed to be the baby's father, it's because... I knew she would be raised in a loving home with two loving parents, not in some time-sharing arrangement with complimentary sniping. And if this is how you plan to raise our daughter, then we never should have had her in the first place. No, I can feel that. I mean, not not all of that, but um, the the sniping part. Like, I mean, they need to chill out with that because Gus is big now. He can mm-hmm. hear all of that. He can understand all of that stuff. You don't want you don't want that around the child. But I will say Michael is doing the most as well. Yeah, because okay. I thought you were going to agree with Michael. And no. I was going to say, it's a real good thing I brought my boxing gloves. Yeah, that part. Like, no, no. I, I agree with that one word, that yeah. one little phrase. Yeah, no sniping in front yes. of the kids. But I'm like, how dare you, yeah. Michael, say we should have never had her. First of all, I carried this child Thank for nine you. months. That part, okay. I'm the one here staying and doing the diapers and the, and the feeding and all that while you She lives leave. with me. Yeah. She lives with me. You live in yeah. your best life. Okay. And as far, as far as you know, your baby has had a great childhood so far. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, chill the hell out. And then you should have just told me, who are you? I'm not I married to you. I know. And it's just, I, I get And why it. you and Ben didn't consult me? First of all, y'all got married. For real. Y'all like, think about moving somewhere? You ain't consulting yeah. me on that. Why y'all didn't tell me that y'all was bringing Hunter in beforehand? You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, before y'all brought this little boy off the streets. Mel only got in once the mama came into the play. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, how do we know that? It was a lot. Like, mm-hmm. bro, I tell you a damn thing is going on in my, in my house. Okay. You ain't paying that one bill over here. Yeah, because I was just like, maybe I'm just in one of my Michael getting on my nerves moves. No. But, <laughs> no, but I felt mm-hmm. like he was way out of line. And just like, what do you think you're entitled to yeah, in this situation? That part. The child is fine. And she's here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you just, we were your, we are your friends first. Kind of understand prioritizing a child. I understand that. But we are your friends and you're not caring about how we have, what we've been going through lately. True. I feel like he just, I don't know. He, I think he's trying to make it about the kid, but it's really about him. Yeah, it's always about him. It's <laughs> In some always. way, I feel like it's, it's about him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I understand him being caught off guard, maybe a little upset, but everything about the way he's handling this is totally wrong. And he's yelling at them like they are children and like he's never had relationship problems. Exactly. Like Ben wasn't about to be knowing Anthony in a very biblical sense very. not that long ago. That so. part. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. Get it together. Yeah, I mean, have a little compassion for the fact that their 10-year relationship has fallen apart, and they are trying to figure out how to co-parent, and they have hurt each other, but they're still trying to limit that impact on their children. Just have a little compassion for that. Do you think that they should have told Michael before now? No, they should have told him whenever they were ready. It's yeah. hard enough to speak about it. They have been together for 10 years. I don't even think if, if Brad and I left, we broke up, and we got 
I don't even think I would even tell my mom yet until I'm ready. Mm-hmm. And, and I tell my mom everything. We talk every day. I don't think I would even just tell her. I mean, that's something you process. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's damn near a lifetime, I feel like, with yeah. someone. Ten years is a lot of years in your life to be with someone, mm-hmm. you know? So you just don't just, oh, it's over. Yeah, oh, we broke up. No, you don't do that. Yeah. And they didn't have the relationship like that. Like, I mean, Melanie had Ted and Lindsay had Brian. Like, you'll be last on the list to be called. Like, I mean. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there is no risk to the children's safety. Yeah. As far as like provision and safety and all that, they're fine. Now, true, Gus is having to hear way more sniping than he should be having to hear. True. But that ain't your But baby. that would be worse if they were trying to live under the same roof yeah. with all of this going mm-hmm. on. So, yeah, no, I, yeah, I don't think that they owed it to him to tell nah. him because the baby was not in any danger. Right. Now, true, I can be like, hey, next time, just, I understand it's painful, but. You know, it would have been nice to know, but I understand why you kept exactly. it to yourself. But but he doesn't have any of that type of empathy no. in him. Mm-hmm. Never does he have, have that type of empathy in him. So I'm just like, no. Yeah. yeah. And this, and maybe we'll talk about this in the next episode when we have more time. But I know that in season one, when they were separated and Gus was involved, Brian's response in that situation was to try to get them back together because he knew they still loved each other and they right. still wanted to be with each other. This is a different situation. And so Brian wasn't saying my child has to have two parents. He was saying my friend Lindsay still loves Melanie. Yep. And here's a way that I can kind of help bring them together. But mm-hmm. he was trying to reconcile his friends. I don't know what Michael's trying to do. Lord. Well, Lindsay looks a little bit shocked at Michael's outburst. So I'm kind of surprised that they tolerated that from him. But maybe they <laughs> felt like they deserved it because they had been deceiving everyone. I don't know. But uh, the three of them, Ben, Michael, Ben, Melanie, and Lindsay, just kind of sit there awkwardly as Michael storms out, as he is wont to do. The usual. I mean, God, Mm-mm. you would think he would have some good old cakes by now, and all that walking he does, the way he be power <laughs> walking out of here. Yeah, I mean, like, boy, you would, have, you should have like buns of steel. Yeah. The way you be stomping up out of there. <laughs> yeah. Well, we see Tubby Teddy in his bed with his young new boo and a box of pizza. And he is force feeding Ted slices <laughs> of pizza. Um, his little twink is happy to have an older man. He likes seeing the graying and thinning hair. The smell the, of the old people. Yeah, the love handles and the full big belly. Lord. And Ted is like, um. Girl, my mouth <laughs> dropped. Okay. Yeah. That was so sexy. Yeah, he realized <laughs> that he totally misread that whole situation because yeah. he has got himself a chubby chaser. Yeah, I said, oh my God, a little chubby chaser. <laughs> I mean, and then the boy, like, literally stuffed the yeah. whole pizza down his mouth. Like, no, you're going to eat. Yeah. I'm going to thicken you up, baby. A little more. <laughs> no, I think Ted just got his little light bulb moment, yeah. too. And it's like, okay. Yeah, like, okay, time yeah. to, uh, yeah. Snap it on back. Yeah, let's get it back together. Over at Debbie and Carl's, Emmett is, has his bottom and his briefs on display. Yeah. And enter Carl. Carl came down only in his boxers to grab a drink. And uh, I wonder what him and young Deborah was doing. I don't know. They both left someone. Uh, he had to come rehydrate. Yeah, he did, night, but so. he's thirsty. Okay. <laughs> she left him parched. <laughs> yeah. uh, Carl has been meaning to talk to Emmett. It's not just Debbie who is sorry to see him leaving. Carl tells him that uh, with his late nights at work, he would be happier if he knew Debbie wasn't alone. I think that's partially true, but he, I think he wants this because Debbie wants this, and this will yeah. make Debbie happy. And it's yet another way that he can do that. He can make her happy and give her something that is important and special to her. And I'm not saying Debbie put him up to this. I, he's really doing this on his right. own. And I think that he actually just 
he sees how much Debbie cares for the, the gang. Yeah. So I think that he's getting he's getting that same feelings for not as deep as Debbie because I mean he's he's Carl mm-hmm. and he's not really used to that lifestyle. But he's seen how they've come together, like the, right. whole, the way they all fought how for they Jason all Camp. Each other. Yeah. yeah. And then how Brian stepped up to the plate to um figure out who who the, mm-hmm. the killed the hustler or who yeah. killed Jason Camp. You know yeah. the cop. He was doing all that work. Debbie did all the work. And Debbie stepped away from the relationship because of of his actions and and the Stockwell shit. I mean. I think he comes to, he, he finally realizes that this is a great group of people. Yeah, he knows these are good men. These are yeah. good people. And these women, these are great women. Yeah, like, like he, yeah, I he might definitely... not understand that lifestyle, but these are humans mm-hmm. and they are a great group of people. Yeah. And also, he hasn't forgotten that Emmett is the one who made an effort to connect with him. Emmett was the one down at the station tell, telling Carl to try again with mm-hmm. Debbie. He's the one who encouraged Debbie to chase after him. And he's the one who showed Debbie how to give him that good old Nick. He sure is. Okay. <laughs> so, he owes a lot to yeah, him. Yeah, for real. Including, he got to meet the Ironman, the football team, because yep. of Emmett's Emmett. little, little flea. Yeah. So, it's yeah. good to have Emmett on your side. <laughs> I told y'all, Emmett's the one. Yeah. Well, Emmett is touched that Carl is asking him to stay, and he wants to know if his sex, I mean, love life will be an issue. But Carl bought a sound machine, and I just love him and how he is willing to grow and adjust to better fit the life of the person that he fell in love with. (laughs) And I don't think there's anything wrong with that when that growth and change is organic and genuine. Mm -hmm. Do you agree with Emmett that if Carl were gay, he'd make a great bear? I told you that already. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you want me to just say it out loud on the mic? Y'all, low key. I ain't even going to trip. You know, I got a thing for these older daddies and stuff. <laughs> with him with just that shirt off and them little chest hair showing, I was like, okay, Carl, you low key giving. You low key giving me sexy bear daddy. Okay. Yeah. I see why um, young Deborah with you. Yeah. I like the quick moment that they have talking about Emmett's dad. And Carl says that it is his loss because Emmett's a great man. And I'm sure that meant a lot to Emmett coming from, coming from Carl. Mm-hmm. Over at the diner, the Novotnys are talking about the situation with Melanie and Lindsay, and Debbie is telling him what she told Melanie. Like, no matter what is going on between the two of them, their first priority has to be the baby. And she's mad that they didn't listen, that they destroyed a family, that they turned a happy home into a broken one. And Michael adds, without even telling us, I don't agree with the Novotnys here. Neither one of them. Yeah, <laughs> I don't agree. Like, you want them to stay together and be miserable just because they can say two parents living at home? I can't stand that theory. Oh, mm-hmm. we stayed together because we were raising the kids. No, it probably would have been healthier yeah. to raise the kids separately. Yeah, like I'm all about considering the kids, but I agree with Brian. You can make things a whole lot worse if that's your only reason for staying yep. together. Well, look at his parents. Right. That's why they stayed together. Yeah, and he know like, that ruined me yeah. and Claire and... <laughs> and the grandbaby. And, and Jack and Joe, yeah. and it ruined everybody. For real. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Brian, he stops in for some coffee, just coffee. He can't eat after what happened last night. His heart is broken, crushed. <laughs> uh, Michael thinks they were talking about the same thing, but no. Brian is distraught because Babylon was closed down because Saperstein was defrauding the IRS and they pulled his number. I'm glad to see that he's possibly going to be facing some jail time or a fine or something. Thank God, finally, with his little been, freak, sick, yeah. nasty, scumbag ass. Yeah, he's been awful and he needed something to happen mm-hmm. with him. So, yeah. Uh, Michael and Brian leave the diner together and Michael can't believe Brian is more concerned about Babylon being closed than he is about Melanie and Lindsay lying to everyone. And that his daughter and Brian's son are now products of a broken home. It's like, oh my gosh. And you, you can't have to pull undo that, the your, fact that they are. Yeah. He had to pull that. Oh, and your my daughter and your son. Boy. Yeah. My son taking care home. of. They are still getting. Yeah. Brian ain't worried. Yeah. <laughs> he getting everything he needs. Yeah. 
Brian thinks that they're all being dramatic and... Also, he's not upset because he wasn't being lied to. He, right. He, been he knew. Yeah. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, well, Michael's not happy about that either. But Brian says, well, Lindsay told me not to tell you. And for him, it's as simple as that. It's like, no, she told me not to tell you. Yeah. And uh, then Michael says, well, your loyalty to her is more important than our friendship. And he checks Michael real yeah. quick, simple and easy. Don't make this about us because it's not. Nope. And I fully agree with yep. him. Like, th- no, that's a whole separate thing. Baby, that was game set and match. That was checkmate. <laughs> yeah. A little bit was enough. Yeah. Like, he, he, said what he, he said what he said. Mm-hmm. And that was all he needed to this say. This is Melanie and Lindsay's business. And yeah. as long as Jr. and Gus are not being harmed or neglected or used or pawns or any yeah. of that like, then I mean they are really making an effort not just to keep up appearances for the friends and family but she comes but every day so every they day, each so buy, they can everybody each spend can time, time with each kid mm-hmm. yeah they really are making making an effort and Brian understands that this is a decision between Melanie and Lindsay and he will be the last person to tell them that they have to stay in a relationship that wasn't serving either of them and I think he didn't tell Michael simply because she told him not to. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that. I'm glad he didn't. Like, I mean, thank God somebody can keep a secret. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> somebody can keep a secret. Yeah. Yeah. Brian's like, it's not about you. It's not about us. Don't make it about that. This is just part of the ever-changing kaleidoscope of life. Which like things happen in life and, you know, you just, it just keeps, life keeps turning. Yep. Then we get another story panel and a voiceover. It's JT floats lost among the stars, wondering if he'll ever see rage again. True. And then we see Justin working on um, some panels and he pulls out his phone about to make a call when rage shows up. I promised I'd come for you, JT, even if I had to go to the end of the universe, <laughs> but it's not the rage we wanted to see. No. It's, it's Connor. He just finished a screen test in his rage costume. It's looking a little like Halloween supply sort of Yeah, thing. no, he's giving me party city like a yeah. mug. Like, I was yeah. like, what? Yeah, but maybe this is just an early mock-up. It has to be so. the early mock-up. I mean, that's just screen test. Yeah. Yeah, that was just screen test. Uh, yeah. Justin and Connor are having some innocent, flirty fun when Brett walks in and tells everyone that they are pulling the plug on the movie. And they say it's because the picture is over budget, over schedule. But the real reason is that they are scared. They you know think that's it's, what it is. Yeah, they're too. They think it's too risky. And Justin's like, but there are millions of queer people out there with lots of money to spend on something like this. And Brett says, yeah, I tried that approach, and they're more concerned about upsetting families and parent organizations and politicians and all that junk. Instead, they are greenlighting the passion of Moses. Gaze out, God's in. And just like that, it's over. And so I'm sure that news sucked for everyone involved, but there is no way that anyone felt that gut punch like Justin did. Right. Um, But I think Justin can take this as a a life lesson and experience because it was never, I mean, projects get started and shut down all the time in Hollywood, you Mm -hmm. know, like it started and and shut really quickly. I mean, a blink of an eye, your project is Mm -hmm. done. I mean, Justin's so determined and got so much drive in him. This is not the end that we heard of him. He's going to pitch this to somebody else. They're going to make it an independent film. They're going to kill the game. That's my theory. You know, yeah. like, we're going to see Rage on the big screen. Yeah. It may not be on the big, big screen. <laughs> it might but, be straight to TV. Yeah, it's but... yeah, it straight to TV. You know, we're going to get us a little Lifetime movie. Maybe yeah. not Lifetime, but, you know, little, <laughs> back then, or yeah, something. FX or Logo back then. Yeah. You know, so had us a little Logo, logo TV movie. But uh, it's coming. But yeah, I mean, he he felt it. Yeah. He, he put so much work well, into it and given up and sacrificed so much just to be there, you right. know? Well, to be that close, to have rooms full of people working on something that you helped create, to be able to tell these stories that are so personal to you, yet so universal to an underrepresented community, 
And then to have one man end all of that so quickly, one man who was cowering behind optics and running from the kind of censure and backlash that you face every single day of your life, that's got to hurt. And so, and isn't the main rule in Hollywood, um, all press is good press. So if they're talking negatively about the movie or positive about the movie, you're still getting buzz about the yeah, movie. I mean, I guess, you know, those were still the days where you have people picketing in front of the movie yeah, theater or yeah, whatever. True. And so it would have been, yeah. Yeah, it could have been a little, mm-hmm. But I hate this for them. But maybe there's a Hail Mary that Brett and Justin can throw out there and have something happen. I mean, Justin, he always have something under his sleeve. So I don't know just yet, but I, I would bet money on it. This is not the end of it. Yeah. I would bet money. Before we move on from this scene, there's something I want to bring up. At the beginning of the scene, Justin pulls out his phone and he was going to call someone. Girl, you know who and, he's calling. Yeah, and what you said when we were watching, you said he needs his inspiration. Yeah. Because he, he's sitting there with these pants, just kind of like looking around and you were like, he he's missing his inspiration. Mm-hmm. And I think you're absolutely right. Like, I think he is having fun, but I do think that he does miss Brian and he he was inviting Brian to come experience this with him. Like, this right. still isn't a full experience because you're not here doing it with me. And so Justin doesn't just easily move on from mm-mm, Brian and, like, mm-mm. throw him in the in the dust and move on. He doesn't do that. He still was trying to reach out to him. I think there was a part of him that did need that connection with him. Right. So Melanie is home with the baby, and Lindsay and Gus stop by for their daily visit. Gus has got a little cold, and Melanie says it's probably because Lindsay drug him out last night. Now, mind you, Melanie is the one who called her. <laughs> I, I was like, the shade just never ends. Oh, because you had him out last night. Yeah, you called me and told me to get my ass over here. Immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, Melanie, I've been trying to, like, rock with you because you were wronged in this situation, but I done told you that bitter beige doesn't work for you. It's not that your part. color. Mm-mm. But I think today's attitude is brought to you by Melanie being upset that Lindsay told everyone. And for Melanie, knowing that everyone knows now makes it real. And I think that's the majority of the reason Melanie didn't want to say anything. She wasn't really ready for it to be over. And we kind of hinted at that earlier. But I don't think that she did all she could do to make it work either. So, you know, that's what you get, Melanie. I'm going to say this here because I've been holding my tongue about it. But my least favorite character this episode is Lindsay's haircut. Oh, you don't. It's not working for no, me you don't or like for it. her. No, what? is it is it too short? She cut. You know, it's one of those awkward links. It's the awkward. It's the awkward link and length in the awkward bang. Yeah, I don't know what she's doing with that bang. Like <laughs> it, it's like flat and wet on the forehead, but then the hair hangs down, and, like tucked in. Yeah, like, like yeah. Know. She tried to do like the little. And you know I how love you tuck a bob the sheet cut. in. I love yeah. a bob, but that's yeah. Not... It may not be for her. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's gonna be my least favorite character this episode. Oh, yeah. oh lord, not Lindsay, just the haircut. Yeah, yeah. She tried it. Michael and Ben are strolling down the streets with uh, Eli and Monty. They're two kitties. And Eli invites them over for a barbecue. And just like, hey, there's all the community stuff we're doing. Some other people from the school. So it's, it seems like they would fit right in. Right. It's a lot of Ben's coworkers and things like that. Anyway, there's a gay couple on the other side of the street. And they just moved in. And they have twins that they're pushing in strollers. And Ben says it seems like everyone in the neighborhood has kids. And Monty says, well, it won't be long before the two of you are out here with your own. And he also shows them a house that just went on the market. It's a fixer-upper, so probably available for a good price. And Ben tells Eli that they talked it over and they decided to stay put. I'm surprised that Ben said it that way because I kind of figured he would say... He would have shaded Michael. (laughs) Or just him like, I'm still trying to convince Michael Mm -hmm. or something like that. Or we're still talking about it. But anyway, Mm -hmm. he, yeah, Michael is the one who is who speaks up and says, 
You when wanna, can we see yeah. it? Yeah. He's eager to check it out. Because now, all of a sudden, everything being said about them needing to move suddenly makes sense to Michael, apparently. And okay, sure. Eli's ready to take down the digits. He's like, we got him. Yeah, that part. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I bet they get a cut of the realtor's fee. Girl, you know they're getting a cut. They're bringing everybody <laughs> into this neighborhood. Yeah. It's almost like the tow truck driver always get in good with the security driver. Uh-huh. Okay, they parked over here. Come get the car. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to need you tonight. I'm going to need 75%. You know, like, yeah. come on now. I know what's going on here. Yeah. Well, Ben thought that Michael wanted to stay on Liberty Avenue, but Michael says maybe it's time for a change. And change could be good. You know, we'll see. Monty is wearing a turtleneck, so y'all already know what that means. Yeah. Very mature, very, very adult. So Michael's yes. going to have to step up his graphic tea game. Because that's all he got <laughs> is the graphic tea. Yeah, so we'll see if um what goes on there in over in the land of the clones. Yes, land of the clones, girl. It's yeah. real cookie cutterish over there. Well, then we see Brian standing inside a very empty Babylon. It's interesting to see it like this with no lights, no music, and I no know, people. No people. Yeah. Yes, I got to think about how I feel about that because it doesn't look as magical and as like Neverlandish without <laughs> all that going on. Uh, Ted comes in after being summoned by Brian, and Brian tells him that he found that little something that he was told to treat himself to. He bought Babylon. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Ted said to buy a toy, not the playroom, but Brian says, "I want it." And there's something very, like, childish. Well, I want it. Yeah, yeah. Like, Like, no, I want it, Mom. Yeah, uh uh-huh. And so it almost kind of makes me wonder. Anyway, Brian says that he has to keep the boys off the streets at night and provide a warm, friendly environment for them to do illegal drugs and have promiscuous sex safely, of course. And Ted thinks it's very noble of him, but not practical. So Brian says, what would be practical to get married and move to the suburbs, become a home-loving, child-raising, God-fearing, imitation heterosexual? <laughs> and for what? So that I can have be another dead soul going to the mall, dropping my kids at school, barbecuing in the backyard. That's their death, not mine. Dang. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that he compares all that to, like, death. Anyway, Brian is none of those things, and he turns on the lights and brings the place to life and proudly proclaims that he's a queer and anyone who takes pity or offense, he says, judge yourself. This is where I live. This is who I am. Mm-hmm. And as he's given the speech, it's like he's ascending to his throne where he reigns over everything that is the complete opposite of what the practical life he describes is. <laughs> it's kind of a great scene and a great shot of him standing there looking down over his domain like he's taken he just um, took his, throne. his place. Yeah, as the mm-hmm. king there. And then we get this storyboard of Rage standing on a faraway planet watching the creation of a new universe with a voiceover saying, as Rage stands at the precipice of a new world. And then we get to be continued. Okay, I want to talk about Brian's choice to buy Babylon. What do you think? Um, I mean, it's the only choice that would make sense. He already bought his dream car, although I think he had to get rid of it. We don't. What, oh, no, he still got the Corvette. He's got, okay, so he got his dream car. He has a dream house already. He kind of sort of still have his dream man, you know. Well, he kind of ended that. Yeah, we don't, yeah we'll, we'll see. Well, I mean, he ended it, but he didn't tell Justin. So, I mean, so it ain't over yet because it ain't over till the fat Teddy sings. Right. And um, <laughs> so, But it, it makes sense, though. Like, that's his playground. He, n- no one knows Babylon better than, than he does, you know. And like you said, it's one of those things like in the very beginning scene. Nothing ever changes inside of Babylon. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's the, when you go, it's Peter Pan land and Neverland right. shit. Mm-hmm. Like you don't grow old. It's, 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 it's all the, the glitz and the glam, you know? And, um, 
we already know like that's a part of Brian. That's a part of of his personality. The the never growing old, the, the always young, young at heart, thing. forever young, forever good looking. So I mean, it makes sense to me yeah. for him to buy that. And then it's always fucking packed, so he's gonna make his money back. Yes, there's a lot of liabilities that come with the club. So much, yeah. A lot of liabil- liabilities that come with the club, but at the same time, I mean, it's a lot of liability in everything. You know what I'm saying? That you do. So I mean, it could be a lot in kinetic. I mean, he could have that same employee that did the shit that he that tried to get him fired right. when he was over there at the other place. So, I mean, a lot. It makes sense to me, and I see him making a lot of money from it. And, I mean, and also he could potentially be setting Justin up. You know, Justin was one of the best dancers there. Maybe he's going to run the club. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you just never know. Like, I don't know. But, I mean, I thought it was a good idea. Yeah, I think he buys Babylon for a few reasons. And um, I have... um notes from the script that I'll share on Patreon that kind of help inform my opinion here. But I think it's the place that he frequents, of course. Uh, it's a staple in the neighborhood and a fixture in the lives of so many queer people, including Correct. his own and his friends. Well, for a time, his friends. But also giving the shaky ground that he's on with his relationship and then that fear and anxiety kind of being triggered in him. Plus, his friends are all doing their own like super adulty things like getting married and raising kids. I think he's trying to establish his identity and hold on to what he's always known, what you were saying, like the things that are in him that kind of forever young, I control mm-hmm. my world. Yeah. I, I think I think it's some of that. I love how they kind of, like they always, throughout this whole show, they blended rage and Brian, oh, you know, yeah. what, what was going on yeah. in real life. They blended it with the comic book. Yeah. And I think he's also having a little bit of an identity crisis again. And no. this, oh, yeah, he's having yeah, because this kind of feels like a declaration of this is who I am. I'm Brian King of Babylon, Kenny, and it's not necessarily a bad move. Although I understand Ted being worried about this investment because of the liability stuff, like you were saying, but I do think it's a little bit deeper than just that. Like it's a little bit deeper than just I want to own my, my yeah. playground. Uh, I'm sure that Babylon was the first place that Brian really felt accepted. And once he was established there, that's probably the place that he felt most powerful mm-hmm. um, and outside of the loft, I'm sure. But this is the place where other people validate his power and his greatness. True. Where, and uh, didn't he meet Justin there, too? Outside of outside it. Outside of it. Yeah. So yeah. that's a memory. This is what initially was the thing that started to validate him. And so now that Justin's not doing that because Justin's gone, uh, because Justin's out of sight and Brian thinks that means he, he's out of mind because of his object permanence issues. Like, he needs something to validate mm-hmm. who he is again. And um, sure, there are more basic explanations, of course. And if those satisfy you, then cool. <laughs> but I think that there's always more to Brian's decisions, even when he is not really aware right. of uh, the root cause or the motivation sometimes. Correct. But all of that said, I do think he'd be a great club owner. He'll bring a little bit of class, but not too much, because Babylon <laughs> is supposed to be what it's supposed to yeah, be. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but he will bring a little bit to it, I, w- I would imagine. But it is kind of going back to what Michael said. In here, nothing changes. Mm-hmm. It's always the same. Nothing changes here. Nothing ages. It's always the same. And so I think he's he's wanting to cling to that. So that is the episode. And again, we talked about the, um, I love the comic panels that close out this episode. Yeah. Um, those are really, mm-hmm. really cool. I will just say quickly, I know what's in those drawings and those panels from Rage. I know what's in there. I know what it is, but... There are reasons that I can't talk about it. That's it. That is 501. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, why do we got to get like a, a semi breakup in 501? I from know Justin already. Like, why are they doing this stuff? Why? That is so not nice. Yeah, not at all. But you know, I will say the writers always give us something like this. And then this, 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 the season start off like this. And then somehow it, it does, it turns. It does yeah. this crazy turn. Like, 
I don't know who's driving this damn bus, but I, I mean, like, y'all, come on. Well, you said that Brian looked like a villain at the end of this episode. Yeah. So that's an interesting True. angle. Yeah, he did. He looked a little villainish. We'll see. Well, I can't wait to see what this whole season, although it's bittersweet. Yeah. I can't wait to see what this season have in store for us, has in store for us. So, yeah. Why don't you go ahead and give me just a little something? This, what's going Just No. no? Things are going to happen. Yeah, duh. Okay. Things, things yeah. Gonna, oh, okay. I'm going to take it. I'm going to mm-hmm. take it. Well, guys, we hope y'all enjoyed this episode, too. You know, we get a little little winded because we get passionate, but we'd love to hear y'all stories and y'all thoughts on those questions that Ishel was asking me and I was asking her throughout the episode as well. So what is your thoughts on why did he purchase Babylon? What is your thoughts on why um, on, on Justin and, and Brian? Like, should they be together? Should they not be together? Why is Brian going through these these type of emotions? Is it jealousy? Is it insecurities? What are your thoughts on this episode? Oh, and Michael. Oh, and Michael. Should Melanie and Lindsay have told Michael what was going on? Hit us up. Let us know with those comments. Keep it interactive, guys. And like always, until next time, we are out of here. Bye. Bye.